Okay, here we go then. I'm not going to say good evening because I, I always say good evening and I always see, like, like me, I listen to these on the way to and from work, which can be either half past six in the morning or uh, half past six at night. So I'm going to say hello, everybody, uh, and welcome to episode 14 of the Mont Travel podcast. A little a longer break, actually, which feels quite nice, actually, having a, just a, a, week, a couple of weeks off. Uh, Bruce was busy counting votes last Thursday, Bruce, were you not? I was, yeah, it was a decent turnover, actually. I hadn't thought people were so pleased to be out of the house and have something to do. It was, uh, <laughs> it was just pleased to come along and vote, really, yeah. Lots, of people, was... thought, lots of people thought, though, though, thought they were voting for the uh, MP. There were people saying, oh, well, let's get Barry out. We're like, well, actually, yeah. I'm with him. But... <laughs> was it just um, commissioner for you, was yeah, it? Uh... commissioner for us, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, my mother was very let down that that's all she could vote for. Um, so we've had a, a couple weeks off, so we've all been on a few adventures, so we're going to catch up with that uh, at some point as well. But Nick's going to be in the chair for most of this evening, because this evening we are going to Steel City or Yorkshire's Athens or whatever we want to call it. Rome. Rome and San Francisco, I understand, it at Seven Hills as well. Uh, so we're going to have a Sheffield soiree, and Nick's been very good in that he has tried to limit it down to 10 beers in 10 pubs which just feel mm. like a kind of manageable session doesn't it because bruce is epic that went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and 57 pubs or whatever it was are you going to follow any kind of uh plan nick around these pubs because bruce obviously just i think the pie shops and the cream cream cake shops kind of made bruce zigzag across the city so my bike took me yeah <laughs> Well, I, I have, I've, I've included some culinary, um, yeah, culinary uh, information on the way route around there. But no, it's a, it's a circular route. It's, I mean, I'll admit, it's, it's the pubs that I used to go in when I was a student in Sheffield back in the mid nineteen nineties, and um, when I've been revisiting and going back, I mean, the last couple of times we've been to Sheffield, Bruce, we've pretty much done most of these pubs. Now, yeah. there is a thought that some of these pubs, the beer isn't always top quality and or you're not getting a massive great range. But you know me, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. So sometimes, especially when you are on a crawl and you're not aiming to have more than one beer in a pub, I don't want to go into something that's converted shop and be confronted with 50,000 different craft beers and real ales. I just want some interesting traditional surroundings. I like nutritional pubs. I like nutritional interiors. Uh, and as long as they've got two or three beers on the bar, that'll do me. Because I know I'm going to only have one and then I'm going to go somewhere else. Uh, so what I've done is, is concentrate on the on the pubs that I used to frequent in Sheffield. I say they may have got better. They may have got a little bit worse. Chucked a couple of the ones in there as well. I mean, the craft in Sheffield is, is massive. You know, there's a massive uh, student population in Sheffield. I mean, when I was there, I think there's about 18,000 students in the city. And you used to really notice it during the holidays. If I didn't come home and most of the students went home for the holidays, it almost appeared that the city was empty during the day and the pubs themselves. So I say there's a massive, great surge in craft beers and craft bars and all those hipster places and stuff like that. And I dare say that, you know, there's some fantastic places in Sheffield, but I'm not sort of like concentrated on any of those uh, for this particular crawl. I've sort of reverted back to, to what I know and I know a little bit about the pubs and, you know, some of them, I've got some history connected to them. Uh, one in particular uh, has been uh, lauded as being the, the, the place that, that brought real ill to Sheffield, really, which is a fat cat, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, so that's, that's where I'm going to go from. And, and also from the point of view, get into the city, very conveniently, we're going to start and we're going to finish at the railway station. 
Evie's got her hand stuck in there. She's off to scout. She's got her hand stuck in a jacket. It won't be. It won't come out. <laughs> well, good, if, good, good, scouts, and I'm sure they'll solve it between them all. Yeah, you'll get you get a badge for that. Yeah. Re- removing hand out of jacket badge. Yeah, I mean, on, on our kind of trips, I think we're back into what we're looking at kind of what we said before about session beers that are, you know, about three, eight, four, so that you can drink quite a few of those. I think that's a challenge. As you mentioned, Nick, I think they're with craft beers. They're often, you know, especially these double dippers and nippers, they're all kind of, you know, eight, nine, ten percent, and you just can't really drink those. Um, so we've got that. I've also been a bit, um, I had a few, pushed a few ideas on Twitter this last couple of days. So we've got a few ideas from uh, the kind of the beer nation out there. So I'll put, I've put those together as well. As always, I've dropped a few little interesting little bits into the presentation for those that are watching on YouTube that will try and knock uh, Ben and uh, Bruce and Nick off their stride a little bit. We'll work through. So just do our usual kind of quick catch up. So as I said, it's been a couple of weeks since we were last on when we finished off our York little tour around. So we were all planning, I think, in the last podcast that we were going to go off and uh, have fun. Uh, I think all of us have had some ups and downs, really. In that it has been, obviously, the weather's been quite challenging over this last week, definitely. We had a nice weekend, I think, for the bank holiday weekend, or nice-ish. Uh, and also, again, as we, as we suspected, there's still quite a lot of, um, I don't know, really. Some some places are open, some aren't. Some are, have got a very small capacity and fill up very quickly. Uh, and so we just don't know until you can almost rock up, really. So, as I mentioned, I had an absolutely stunning weekend at the uh, over the bank holiday. So, as planned, we set off to Buxton on the Saturday. Actually drove through a snowstorm. Um, the road was pretty much white over on the way over the uh uh, the, the kind of cat and fiddle axe edge kind of way, uh, but I had a cracking couple of hours at the at the brewery. So as mentioned, the tap unfortunately they haven't been able to use because there's not much outdoor space. So they have created and again for those on the uh, YouTube, uh, quite a nice little area really, just mm. across from the brewery. Really yeah. nice. Um, spent quite a lot on a very posh marquee. Actually, two marquees is one around the corner as well. Great seating. Um, they kind of created in the back of a container a kind of a bar, so everything was coming kind of out of the brewery in pipes and then into this into this uh, uh, container. They had two food guys that on we were there, which again just independents, um, which were really nice. There was a uh, curry one and Thai curry, which is really really nice, and then there was another one as well. I think it's an Italian, and they do that every weekend, and it was great. Uh, fantastic staff really good to see lots of people there i think the only downside and i might make this a theme with dogs dogs are starting to kind of nap me up a little bit and i think i guess like us like us they have been stuck inside for so long so when they meet other little doggy friends they tend to go mental so Mm. i know nick we were with the brewery we had a bit of an issue with dogs that were kind of getting unfriendly with each other and there was a dog here that just didn't shun there was loads of dogs there yeah. and most of them were fantastic but there was just one dog that just would it just yapped for 20 minutes yapping <laughs> shit machines yeah and, and i mean really really loud yapping so that everybody yeah. it was putting people i mean yeah. then lots of people just kind of well we've got to go but no yeah. cracking cracking there and i know i share this my last beer there i had quite a few actually was chip shot brawl which i know are quite excited bruce um that's <laughs> my last beer of the afternoon uh chip shot brawl is a 10% triple IPA, um, which was interesting. Uh, I bought it because 10% of it goes off to the Mountain Rescue uh, for the PD, and they do a fantastic job. Um, and I think I'll, if I just say on untapped, the uh, notes are unrelenting and hard, and it was certainly <laughs> a, an interesting beer. So a great time there. 
And then the day after, to really kind of spoil myself, uh, uh, family, we, we kind of got a car full. Uh, we went off, we did a little bit of cycling, first of all, and then we ended up, up in Bakewell. And Nick, we did a revisit one of our hordes with Stormbridge Brewery. Again, I mean, we were there two years ago. Again, the expansion that they've done. So they've taken that tap room, Nick, where we were, and mm. moved into that building in the far there. You can see, you can just see the kind of room in the, in the oh. neon lights there. The brewery's on the left-hand side here. But again, stunning setup, great setup, all undercover, um, lots of covers. 16 beers on, as you can see there. I put the beer um, thing up there. Uh, loads of flights, so it was great. I think I did about two or three flights. Fantastic pizzas. So a cracking afternoon. So if anybody fancies, um, you know, an afternoon in Bakewell, which is a nice little town, it wasn't over busy, um, I can definitely recommend <coughs> Thornbridge Brewery and I saved myself for my final drink there was a pint of Jaipur, which is which was absolutely top draw. And then finally, after a couple of weeks of trying, I got back into my local, <clears throat> which is Mellard, which I know we've mentioned before, and Nick's been there. Uh, after going a couple of times, it had been completely full. Uh, managed to sneak in last Friday when the weather wasn't quite as good. Unfortunately, well, there was no cask on, so it was onto the keg. So, uh, and I don't know about you guys, but I've started doubling. I think this is another kind of post lockdown as you double up on beers. Yeah, and I think Bruce, you're the same, aren't you? Yeah, because about, <clears> about, it does. About three hundred fifty people go in the fox, and so it's just a nightmare getting yeah. served. People buying two and three at a time. Yeah. Um, so I kicked off there. That's the there is a verdant um, uh, New England pale there, uh, next to a Colonel. Uh, pale and then the one on the right there was that Rivington soon I will be on fries which is a porter with blackberries blackcurrants raspberries and vanilla which was interesting shall we say they did say it's quite sour and it looks quite light for a porter that one yeah now Bruce's little trip here so Bruce took the family off up to kind of Nesbury Harrogate way and then I think Bruce you got another bit of a blank didn't you well unfortunately there's very few outdoor drinking areas in Nesborough and those that could have elected to open were closed. I mean, the mitre could have got about 30 tables outside was closed. Uh, commercial was closed. Even Weatherspoons was closed. It was desperate. So sadly, I had to take solace in a chocolate-filled uh, croissant. We've got a big cake and a lady's bottom. <laughs> so we've got uh, so the picture then for those people on YouTube, just for those of the podcast will describe it. So here's Bruce. And a quite a sunny, quite a, well, a bit of clown sky. He sat outside Nairsborough Castle here overlooking the wonderful, uh, it's like the railway bridge, isn't it? The fantastic right, yeah. many arts of the river there. Always a stunning view. Staring longingly at a rather large eclair, which obviously he has taken solace. But Bruce, you did manage to get some beer because there's a very hazy picture of two pints in the Fox's uh, marquee. So he managed to get some good Osset beer that, that eventually. Absolutely. Free. It looks rammed. Yeah, it looks really busy as well there. About 350, we reckon, they can hold. Yeah. Huge amount of tent, tables right around it. It's absolutely mad. And they're turning people away, like tonight, it's sunny here. Mm. They're yeah. probably turning people away. It's insane. Yeah. Well, they put, so, all that, put all that gravel down, haven't they, Bruce? That's all new, isn't it? Yeah. It's well, okay. Yeah. So, really so they've certainly expanded that. I mean, that tent was big enough, and yet it looks like they've just... Occupied every actually, spare bit of ground. When we were there in the summer, it does get quite. It did get quite muddy, wasn't it? All the grass had kind of worn off, wasn't it? It was a bit like a mud mm. in Glastonbury by the end of the summer, and they reopened again. And then Nick, obviously, you were up in the lakes, and you gave us a quick update on that. That you were live from the lakes last time we did a podcast, and I know you've been frequenting the Royal Oak in Malton, which oh, you, yes. you talk about yeah. a lot. Yeah, um, managed to pop up there last Saturday afternoon. Uh, the weather forecast was poor all day. Popped round to mum and dad's and said, look, you know, the weather isn't looking too bad now. So we just literally zoomed up there for an hour, 
and just did it right. Uh, Stay the landlord. Um, he had uh, select dust on, which obviously is great news for one of my favourite beers. And he also had Osset Silver King on as well. So I couldn't go wrong. Oh, Only had a couple good. of pints, but within an hour, that's all I needed. It was uh, one of those weathers. Once again, Steve's done a great job in his back beer garden. You can it see him. Lovely, as, it? it looks absolutely yeah. him as good lady there, but he's, he's got a couple of marquees up as well. But the proper yeah. marquees are open-sided. None of this, right, let's enclose you in a tent. So he's got two overhead coverings. And whilst we were there, it was that sort of weather where you had sunshine and then torrential downpour for literally two or three minutes. And then it stopped. And 10 minutes later, it did it again. But I say, thankfully, hopefully, we were undercover. We managed to jump on a table that reserved at 6.30. And I said, look, Steve, I said, we're not going to be here till 6.30 anyway. So he said, oh, no, fine, no problem. He'll always try and accommodate people. Once again, Mike, agree with you. There must have been at least five tails with dogs and they were yeah. just yap, yap, yapping at each yeah. other. And it, it, it was, it was annoying. Not not the working dogs, not the gun dogs, not the labs, not the spaniels. They'll sit there, they walk better than I. It's these pseudo dogs, these fake dogs, these yappy little things. And the owners just don't have any control of them. They've not bothered training them. They treat them like babies. And it, it just spoils it. It spoils the atmosphere. I, I, I'm not I saying do. dogs shouldn't be allowed in pubs, but they have to be well behaved. Well, I do think that it is that's a lockdown thing. I mean, you know, dogs have been stuck inside and maybe gone for a walk and just, just haven't met other dogs, maybe outside, but not in that kind of confined area. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, the, this is the um, Royal Oak in Old Malton, which is for those anybody knows Malton is on the kind of Pickering Road out, which is a lovely little kind of well, kept the original village that Malton grew up around. Crack a little pub in it, it's a great little pub, um, mm. does good food. Um, and certainly I'll be up there when I'm coming, going up next time I'm in Malta. Steve puts a, so he's from South Africa originally, although he's been in this country many, many, many years. In fact, he used to, he came from down south. and I, I've Jersey. Had a couple, yeah, a couple yeah. of quick chats with him. He's, yeah. he's, he's had camera pubs uh, of the year in the areas there he's been, but he, he puts a little bit of a South African twist on his summer's food. So he has what's called a bunny chow, which is a hollowed out, this one for you, Bruce, it's a hollowed out uh, bread loaf, or he calls it soup roll, but it's a bread loaf. And he puts a, a South African uh, curry in there. Mm. Um, and he, he does something called a Gatsby as well, which is a sub that's uh, full of various different things, chips and eggs and meat and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a while since we've eaten there because we, we used to go up sort of midweek uh, before lockdown. Uh, and I say, so it's, I've just been up there for drinks, but as soon as it gets a bit more comfortable, we'll be uh, we'll be going up there and see what his menu is. He is, he is advertising for a chef at the moment. Um so if anybody out there is listening to this and uh, fancy doing a bit of cooking or if, you, if that's what you're into, then, yeah, Steve, if you got his Facebook, he was advertising for a chef. But uh, in the meantime, the food is still coming out good. Uh, it's, it's really cracking. It just, I suppose, it means Steve's got to do a bit more work. But, uh, yeah, it's it's all good. So definitely into Malton. Uh, it's opposite the River Derwent, uh, an area called the Gannock. Old Malton is actually the, the original settlement at Malton. Uh, so you had Malton and then New Malton. And now it's gone to, to the new settlement. It's just called Malton. And what was Malton is now all Malton. I know it sounds a bit confusing, but uh, nice little village. And they've got two pubs. And both those pubs are doing very, very well. Because you've got Wentworth just up the road. They've got a nice big outdoor area as well. So it's nice to see uh, two pubs in, in the village, uh, both making a living, we hope. So that's... Uh, so I think... And good, and we've got more news. And hopefully, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm certainly back on half term, so I'm going to go up to Yorkshire. And hopefully, the three of us will. I know we've, I've met Nick, and obviously, I've seen Bruce online, but we're all going to meet up in the flesh. 
and we'll try and probably plot and plan a couple of things. So um, I'm going to I'm trying to persuade Nick to try and get Steve to maybe maybe do a little podcast with. Him. He's a really interesting guy. Uh, we've also talked about the Malton Brewery guys or the Yorkshire Pudding guys now. Uh, I've just set Bruce a little task that either three of us will try and meet up in a pub somewhere in York and we'll do maybe a podcast from there as well. So we'll see how we go, really. So before we move on, there is another epic or another, whatever the word is, another highlight tonight. And that we're all drinking beer um, together for the first time virtually for ever because obviously Bruce has had not just long COVID, but feels like an, an epoch of COVID. <laughs> and your <laughs> taste is nearly back. Well, I'm looking at you when you buy that cake, Bruce. The, the taste buds are coming back oh, to life. Yeah, yeah. So are you drinking some kind of mega lager tonight? Or oh, actually, have you gone for something uh, really beery? Uh, 1740 Gary Owen Pale Ale, brewed to an old ah. recipe from Limerick. I got it at the wine shop in there. Yeah. Prices are very reasonable. Yeah. One fifty a bottle. Uh, right. Interesting. It's quite drinky. It looks quite cloudy. But it's got certainly got a unique taste. And that price, I'll buy tomorrow on Saturday, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick, what are you on? Well, you just reminded me, Bruce. Beer price of the week. Unfortunately, the shelf is empty. But I popped in Asda yesterday, and on their special, they had Robinson's uh, Iron Maiden Trooper, 85 oh. pence a bottle. Oh, my God. 500 milliliter bottle, because I checked on the actual shellfish. There's no one. They want any left. Sure. But I thought 85 pence for a 500 milliliter bottle. I'm going to go check out a little Asda tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We say it wasn't on the main shelf. They have, a, they have a smaller shelf right at the far end there. And I say they had some Maxim on there. And uh, I looked at that. Obviously, I've got Maxim from Morrison's before. Um, and then I saw the empty shelf and I thought, I wonder what's been there. And I say, yeah, Robinson's Iron Maiden Trooper, 85 pence a bottle. I thought, oh, it must be a 275 or a 330 milliliter. But no, on the uh, on the shelf edge, it said 500 milliliters. That would have been a cracking buy, wouldn't it? That would. That's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So what am I on? I'm on uh, starting on the wall top, the Angler's Reward. And then I'm going to move on. Not had it for a while. So Copper Dragon, Golden Pippin. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I've had it for ages, yeah. Yeah. So, we mentioned them, didn't we, back in yeah. uh, episode three, I think, because they've moved around yeah. a little bit. And they're back in Keithy now, so great. Yeah. Britain's fastest growing beer brand, wasn't it, Copper Dragon? Mm, they were. Yes. Actually, just reminding me, I noticed in my little booklet that came through the door today, doing a shepherd name, uh, 6.8% um, for £1.29 for a 500 milliliter bottle. That's not bad, is it? Not for that ABV, no. No. I go on then. Go on. Well, I'm on, I'm on part one of my uh, subscription beers, so I'm on my Bear Town, and there's our bear with the Bible, which we mentioned in whatever <laughs> episode that was. So this is the Cub, which is their uh, special IPA, which is quite nice, 5.2%. So I've got a few of those, Nick, for you to try. I don't know if you've tried any of those uh, Bear Town beers, so I've got a few. Uh, and that, again, that is... Um, on, there was no smart subscription box. It's a bit cheaper than Thornbridge, although I've got to say, I keep looking at that Thornbridge one. It looks fantastic, that box, if you subscribe. It's £40 free delivery. But they, I know last time, at least last month, they all, they all got a pair of free Thornbridge socks as well, Jaipur socks, which look very, very, very trendy. So we'll see. Right, beer news. Um, this is this is actually going back a week or so now, but uh, mm. this was from Timothy Taylors who tweeted that for the first time ever in the brewery's history, they were having to brew on a Sunday because they had been absolutely blown over by the uh, the amount of. Uh, beer that people were drinking, obviously, off that initial uh, unlocking on the 19th. Well, that's so, amazing, isn't it? Because yeah. it's just on beer being sold outside, which is astonishing. Yeah. 
But like you say, but if you've got people like the Fox who were pushing out 350 pints every 10 minutes, then, yeah, yeah. you know, that's uh, that's good stuff. So that was really interesting. Um, but as we said, the challenge has been, hasn't it, for all? And again, you do feel sorry because I know many pubs around here were just saying by Saturday afternoon, sorry, we're shutting. Okay. It's just so t- it's too wet, it's too cold, it's not found the staff. Um, so you know, we were hit a bit last weekend, and I know there's a couple of pictures there for those on YouTube of you know snow covered tables because it was it just went bonkers, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I put a few headlines there about just from various local papers about having to shut. Um, but through it all, there are some some you know <laughs> shining through. So back in episode five, we mentioned the Hop and Vine in Hull, which is a, a little kind of interesting little micro bar to visit, a bit off the slightly off the beaten track. Uh, in a fantastic Georgian terrace. Uh, and we mentioned that it's quite a quirky place and they are going for the world record because they have what they claim to be. And, and uh, the guys, I know we've been on Twitter today with the uh, with the landlord there, Tony, and it's kind of gone from, a, I think the whole, whole press picked it up or something and it's then got, it, it was in the mirror and then it's kind of gone and he's got people rigging him up. So they have a two-chair beer garden. Which you, which you have to book uh, to get in there, which I think is fantastic and uh, great. And hopefully, obviously, next week they'll be able to reopen again, I presume. Although it's not very big, so I don't, I'm not quite sure what the, the capacity will be. But it's, you know, that's great. And it's I think it's, that's part of the, the, the bright side is that you've got to keep smiling. And, and that, that certainly tickled me a little bit as well. Um, so and we've also had a catch up with Sean from the Maltings. Uh, we've been in regular contact with since we did our first um uh, York episode, which feels ages ago. Uh, and again, I think Nick and Bruce, you were a little bit disparative about the state of the malting. Actually, we were trying to make the general point, weren't we, about it was so No, we were, we, were, we were saying, yeah, we were disappointed that everything looks closed and, you yeah, know, that's, whether, that's anything's gonna, yeah. whether anything's going to open again, not that it was looking shabby. Sorry, Sean. Oh, no, I think you we did. Were... I think you pair both said it's, I think you said it's an unsomething building compared to the bloody spanky Bruce's Japanese cocktail bar no. next door in that posh hotel. I, I want, no, I wouldn't have said that. No, <laughs> so anyway, no, no, no. Sean's, Sean's been in touch to say to us that he's been shamed into sorting out the exterior. So I think for the last couple of weeks, he's been uh, he's been out there himself on the ladders, uh, giving it a bit of a repaint. So can't wait to get in there again. Best wishes and good luck for reopening next week. I'm sure people will be cracking to get back in that in that bar and certainly um i'll be in there when we come up from york and i don't think we mentioned i think we might have mentioned it but again just just to, to say we, we do try and um point out or, or uh, say you know that the local camera um kind of monthly magazines are fantastic and i know one or two obviously struggled over the last year because they rely on the advertising from pubs and bars etc some have gone online, some haven't. And, and Ooze Boozer, which obviously is, if you're coming to York, you'll probably find copies of Ooze Boozer. It's a great, it is a really good, I think one of the best ones, one of the better ones in the country, really. Yeah. So again, if you are coming, you can go on, you can get the um, past editions. And it's, it's always a massive, it's, it's huge, it's massive. It's, it's, a, it's a real meaty um, monthly book, so, or whenever they come out these days. So bear that in mind as well. And then we were also talking last time about um, strong beers. And I think we were kind of, I know we were probably getting ready for Sheffield, uh, which we'll come on to in a minute. Um, and I mentioned that I'd, I'd read recently that uh, Brew Dog, I think, had uh, maybe just put this beer out again. This beer sells out in literally hours when as soon as it goes on sale. Um, and this is the um, uh, their strength in numbers which is reputedly the world's strongest beer at 57%. 
Um, so I had a quick, we just confirmed that because we weren't quite sure last time. So I had a quick, quick research. So this is £28.95 a bottle when it goes on sale and literally sells out within within minutes. What um, size bottle is that? Uh, good question. Not sure, actually. 500 um, milliliters. Mm, cheaper, cheaper buying a bottle of malt. So apparently back in 2010, Brewdog and a German brewer called Strausbrau started a little bit of a battle um, to see who could brew the strongest beer. So Brewdog kicked off with Tactical Nuclear Penguin, which I know I Bruce is... Bruce, so I'm going to come back to that because yeah. Brewdog York, Bruce are ready. They're listening. And Brewdog Sheffield have both said they're going to wait and see what you say. Uh, they then did... That was 32% in 2009. They then brewed Sink the Bismarck, which was 41%. Uh, and, then they did, and then they also did The End of History in 2010, which was 55%. So apparently, uh, after kind of trying to hit each other off, they decided in 2020 to do a collab between the two breweries and the result is strength in numbers. And apparently they use something called the Eisbock method, which is where they actually brew this beer and then they freeze it. And once it's frozen, they take out the chunks of water yeah. and it leaves a concentrated beer. The beer actually is, is Brewdog's Death or Glory, which is 21% proof, which is then put into whiskey casks for about 10 years. And then they make it into this. So if you can get your hands on it, sounds good. So Bruce, Tactical nuclear penguin. What was that like? Well, you got like um, um, a large. Well, I'd say probably like a quadruple measure. It was about eight pound. I think it's still available in the house of Chemley Madness. Um, it was uh, pretty jaw-dropping stuff, really. It was complex. Bruce is the word. Is it complex? complex. Yeah, it was incredibly not complan. <laughs> complex. And had um, yeah, it gave you a bit of a shock, really, drinking it. And that's a mere twenty-one percent. So God knows what fifty-seven percent beer tastes like. That's astonishing. Yeah. I mean, it's like whiskey's what? I mean, a normal whiskey's forty percent, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Um, that, you know, super strength gin's fifty percent. So, oof. right. And then just last one. Just, uh, just when you're going about uh, beer strength, I know you're talking about Guinness, and I told you that I got a bottle from or two bottles from Malaysia. I actually found it the other day. Hmm. I don't think you'll be able to see it, but it's the, the strange thing is. The brand image isn't a two-current oh, yeah, thing. You see, it's like a bulldog. Yeah. 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 Which I've never seen them use, you know, a character like that before. So, yeah, that's mm. a bottle of Malaysian foreign strength Guinness. And that's, uh, I think that was 7%. And I did have a bottle in Malaysia and I wasn't too keen on it. But right. that was the nearest yeah. thing I could get to like right. proper beer mm. other than fizzy lager stuff. And without kind of overblowing Thornbridge, but again, just to point out, and again, it's a great cause here that they have this week announced that they're doing a appeal for India, obviously going for a really tough thing with COVID and linked to Jaipur, obviously, and they are doing a little bit of a draw. Um, every pound that you will donate through a kind of giving page, uh, they'll put you into a draw, and I think the mega prize you get, you get a year's worth of Jaipur. That's bloody yeah. definitely worth spending Ooh. a couple of pints on. So please, if you get the chance, uh, Jaipur for India, I know, I think they hit their target in about the first couple of days, so they doubled it. I think they're looking at 6,000, well, they're trying to raise 6,000 pounds, which will, again, it'll only be a, a kind of drop in the ocean, but a really good cause. So if you get a chance, have a look at the Thornbridge website or tweet, Twitter feed or whatever, and, um, you know, as I did, give a couple of, well, I give a tenner, so that's what, three pints, two pints, um, maybe two pints of Jaipur, which is well worth it. So, Sheffield. Um, Sheffield is obviously uh, just in Yorkshire. And had a reputation, I think, Nick, for being the Republic of South Yorkshire for a while and might come on to transport. As I mentioned, it's the myth is it's built on seven hills, which apparently you can do that. Uh, it's actually quite a very old city. 
um, and its origins go back to the 8th century, but it wasn't a city then. It was kind of separate hamlets uh, around those hills and has lots of rivers, and that's one of the reasons why it developed, because they were used, used to harness the, uh, the power of the water um, to be able to uh, you know, run machines, etc. Uh, in the 8th century, it began to get a bit of a reputation for cutlery, and obviously that's why it's so famous, and the blades, etc. Blades, uh, and, specifically. Yeah, yeah, and the Little Meisters, which I knew mentioned craft. And I think there's, there's, a, there's that, you know, almost kind of culture, isn't it, in, in Sheffield, of craft. That's what Sheffield's about, and the Little Meisters were uh, often small, uh, you know, single-person little little craftsmen, uh, but they would join together. So one person might make the, the handle of a knife, one person might make the, the actual blade, and then they would gradually build those up into, into you know, cutlery that you'll find across the world, weren't you? Very famous. Uh, and then moved into, into steel, with, especially with the Bessemer, um, uh, inventions of the how you how you create really fantastic steel. Um, gone through a bit of a demise, but I think as you mentioned, it kind of a bit of a rise really. And a big part of that is brewing. Um, I think there are over sixty breweries something like that in in, uh, yeah. in Sheffield, and yeah. massive as you said, massive beer culture. It helps that there are two unis, so there's University of Sheffield and Hallamshire. I've got that there are sixty five thousand students in Sheffield when they're all in. The normal time. Well, it, it will be now. Yeah, I say I was looking at eighteen thousand back in early to mid nineties, and you know you've got colleges which were uh, technical colleges, and I know there's nursing colleges and stuff that are all part universities now. So, so I think if you, within that kind of the big bowl of Sheffield, there's about a half million people that live there. But if you look at the greater area of Sheffield, and you're bringing all the suburbs like deep down places, then it's uh, one point three million. Uh, and again, yeah, it's quite it's seventh, a, seventh largest city, yeah. the sort of quote. Uh, it used to be, I think it was above that, but there's a couple of the cities overtaken them now. But this is the problem now. When you get the conurbation sprawl, yeah. you don't know where one city ends and another city starts. I mean, often now West Yorkshire is just referred to as a city because it's just mass, one massive yeah. well, conurbation sprawl. And they've got Tracy from Coronation Street as their mayor, aren't they now, which is a new one. Uh, and then again, the other thing about, for me about Sheffield is that it's, a third of it is in the Peak District. So, again, it's a very outdoorsy mm. kind of place, isn't it? You know, you, you're on the edge of the Peak District and, uh, again, not, uh, not far from Yorkshire Dales, et cetera. Mm. Um, so, again, lots of outdoors walking. Well, that's, I mean, that's where I was, if you remember, Mike. My, my first yeah, year, I was well, yeah. up at Totley, and that was right on the border. Yeah. So, if I took a step that way, I was in Derbyshire, into the Peak District, so... So yeah. a little bit like probably Leeds and York in a way, and being a good Yorkshire city, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of bars and, and pubs. Um, Watts Pub have got 37 pages devoted to Sheffield, um, and that's the kind of central part of Sheffield, so that's nearly 200 pubs. As always, there are loads of uh, ale guides, ale trails, etc. There's some really great ale festivals now that are run by some of the bottle shops, etc. that are in there as well. We mentioned there's the Cutlery Works, there's the Commune, which are these kind of new massive, well not massive, but big food halls with, with beer as well in them as well. Um, you could spend probably Nick a weekend just in Kellam Island, couldn't you? I know you'll talk mm. about Kellam Island, which is mm. a little bit of the uh, kind of the hotbed or the birth of, of good cask beer. Uh, it's always been a fairly strong cask city. Mm. Obviously, you had stones and you had wards, Webster's and places like wards that were well, in you had, there. you had four big breweries. Yeah. Uh, but by the 1990s, all those breweries had closed down. And I suppose that was a lot to do with the coal field and the steelwork. Obviously, you've got your Barnsley's and your North Nottinghamshire's as well, Mansfield, you've got your steelwork. So I guess that was hard, thirsty work. So I imagine that's where well, you needed lots of breweries brewing lots of 
bitter and miles to kind of quench the thirst of the industrial classes. Now, and just going to, and that's certainly that's what Stones brewed their beer for. Yeah, you know, the deliberate brewed brewed their 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 main bitter as a light beer. They weren't the first to do that. They went away from the darker, sweeter beer to a lighter uh, beer that would quench the thirst, but it was yeah. still quite a strong beer in that respect. Uh, I suppose it, you could have almost referred to it as being an IPA before IPA became popular. Yeah. So I'm going to just give you a quick test one, and I've just thrown in here that Bruce and Nick don't know about. So uh, as mentioned before, I think one of the podcasts I often listen to is the Sheffield Hopcast, which has got various people who get in, people from Abbeydale Brewery, people from Beer Central. And they had a guy from Sheffield on a couple of weeks ago, and he challenged them. He said, you can't be talk about beer in Sheffield unless you answer these three questions. So I'm going to ask Bruce and Nick these three questions. I've got a feeling they'll know probably know I'll do most of them. So have you ever drank Roger and Out? And where was it brewed? So I'm going to ask Bruce first. I've got The pub was called the Dead Parrot. Is that right? No, you no, Not close. quite. You got half a point there, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, I've brewed that. Are you getting you got, you, you got You got the parrot correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what was it called? Gribbit. 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 Frog. Ah. The frog and parrot. Yes. Oh, West Street. West Street was a bit like Micklegate in York. West Street was infamous for the main street in Sheffield where all the pubs and all the bars were. But it wasn't actually on West Street, if I'm thinking. It was... In the corner, it was wasn't it? On, no, it was on a parallel... Was it West Street or was it parallel to West Street? Anyway, you aimed for West Street and you came across the Frog and Parrot for your Roger and out. So where was it brewed? Well, I would have said it was brewed there, if I remember yeah, the rightly. The, the brewery yeah. was in... You could see the vessels, couldn't you? From yeah. The yeah. Well, they had, they had a, a glass panel in the floor, I'm sure, and you could see down in the cellar. So if I say F and F to you, it was this is one of the first F and F pubs. Uh, Firkin then. Firkin. Yeah, Fawn and Firkins, yeah. yeah. So they were there. That was they were quite revolution, weren't they? In the kind of nineties, yeah. they were kind of the first brew yeah. pubs. Yeah. yeah. And obviously York York had one and we had one here in Stoke. Uh, have you ever drank a pint of Webster's Yorkshire Sheffield bitter or a pint of Sheffield brewed with big trophy? Well, of course we bloody have. Yeah. So, so that's what we were with, after after, well, the, that after was... the bottle we were on that. That, that was a bridge that was a bridge brewery that's where Whitbreads was right down on the bridge and in fact then there's uh there was a pub called the big gun which is still there and in fact I was looking at Sheffield Star about pubs and it had been nominated as one of the best pubs in the city now I seem to remember that me and Angus went there just once and at that time what and I don't know why but it was renowned for its prostitutes and Angus was very, which very... Is, uh, which is becoming another theme on these podcasts, by yeah, the way. We've moved from toilets uh, now to red light areas in various yeah. cities. But no, yeah. this, this, this was in the middle of the day. We're basically walking down to Callum Island. And I said, oh, well, there's a pub up here that's supposed to be quite infamous-like. And it really was, you know, one of those pubs that had never been painted or even washed down for about 40 years. And it was the middle of the day. And we went in there. And landlady was the nicest pie. And she was a bit taken back to see two student types going in there. Uh, it had the air about it where the cigarette smoke from the night before was still hanging in the air. Uh, and as far as I can remember, yeah, it was it was Whitbread, but I'm just thinking with it being called the Big Gun, whether it should have been Stones instead, but I'm sure it was a Whitbread pub. And as I say, the cigarette smoke was still hanging in the air and we had a chat with them. Nobody else came, you know, went out and then we sort of like said cheerio and then headed along the river uh, down to Kellam Island, like, so... So I think we can get two off. So the third question is, have you ever drank, have I had a drink in the snug bar of Fagin's? No, but I saw Fagin's. We were you in the class time and it looked really interesting. And you would oh, yeah. 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 We, we, were, we were on our way back up from Kellam Island up to Trippet Lane, weren't we? 
Next time we go, we'll definitely do that. So figures is quite it's got a big handicap kind of mural on the side, doesn't it? But like a bat uh, Yorkshire Banksy, whatever. Yeah. Um, and apparently this Joe Fagin, who's the through the pub, it's not a, I think it is an Irish pub, but it's mm. it's not, you know, it's not actually a theme pub. And the Fagin actually comes from um Joe Fagin, who was the landlord for many years, who was actually ex-bomber command Nick. So there's a lot of um obviously Sheffield as linked to the with the 633 squadron, the Dam Busters that uh, mm. were obviously uh, used the dams outside Sheffield. So Joe Fagan was an ex-Bomber Command captain who then took over the pub after the war, and apparently he was Tetley's longest ever serving landlord, which is why the pub is called Fagan's, which, again, I wasn't aware of that. Right. I've, seen, yeah. I've seen the pub. So I think we passed that one. So, yeah, here we go. Roger and Nat was brewed in the uh, yeah. uh, fro- Frog and Parrot, which was uh, a... Um, uh, for the fucking pub, 16.9%. So actually, these days, that's kind of nothing, is it, really? When we were oh, talking about beers. It's, it, to say they had it on the bar at all times, and say, like Bruce said, you could only have a third at the time. Third, they gave you yeah. a certificate, and the certificate came uh, more and more blurred. Uh, yeah. Your first third, second third, and third third. I think that was also because of the price. If you'd gone yeah. up to the bar and ordered a pint straight out, I can't remember what they were even in those days. It was it was dear enough, but yeah. I suppose you know they're having to pay the duty on the ABV, weren't they? And we talk about kind of late eighties, so at the time it was the Guinness World Records uh, strongest beer, which I don't get because I've I've seen beers in twenty eight percent beers from Belgium and France anyway. Uh, and apparently there was a try to get it redone. So the owner of the the current pub now, I think a couple of years back, was trying to get something set up with something called the Dead Parrot Brewery about brewing it again, but I'm not quite sure that came through. And the, I think it's in the Sheffield style. There's a classic um, quote there from one of the regulars <laughs> saying, it were like it were like chuffing coughs in it, I tell you. And it was, I remember it. And Nick, you mentioned that you got certificates, didn't you? You did three oh, thirds. Yeah. You got these certificates. So, and as yeah. you said, quite rightly, um, again, for those that watch on YouTube, you can see this, but on the podcast, there are three certificates. They're very similar, but the, it gets blurred. The actual writing gets blurred. By the time you get to the red one, which I think was your third third, um, and I think we did we did do that, and I do I remember that because one of your students was then threw up over the Italian window next door on a, a couple Saturday night. A, a couple of a romantic meal sat in the window halfway through their uh, calzone or lasagna or whatever it was, and yeah, he uh, he, he turned to the window and yeah, embarrassed now, himself. We can't talk about Sheffield and talk about. I, I'd probably drink pints of this stuff. I have got pints of it in my house actually. I've got bloody liters of this. Uh, the Sheffield's other. Um, famous brew is, of course, Yorkshire Henderson's Relish, which is a, a little bit, well, it's it's the proper Worcester sauce. It's uh, um, very similar to Worcester sauce. Uh, strong and northern is what it says on the label. Uh, and again, it's a, in a very indescript little place. I'm sure Nicholas going to go and grab some now. Uh, I love this stuff. I have it on everything I can, I can eat. It goes in everything that I make at home. Um, uh, it's a dark, luscious uh, condiment. And Nicholas says, I, I think I bought you some bits and pieces, Nick, for Christmas or something one year. He's just, he's just producing as if by magic. Uh, he's got a set of prints. Yeah, I got, I got me Christmas present. You got me mic framed. Oh yeah, lovely. This is, this is, this made me Christmas present off my brother. Cool. Lovely. Can you see it all? So I can drink this by the pint. Um, it's certainly got a. It's certainly got its its unami. I think they'd say now. Um, again, everybody in Yorkshire probably knows this, uh, and they're they're staunchly uh, uh, Sheffield based. They do a 
uh, they do a United and a Wednesday version of it. And guess what? Guess what Northern Monk did a couple of years ago? Fantastic. Northern Monk brewed a Henderson's Relish uh, Bloody Mary Porter. So good on. So definitely, if you're in Sheffield, get a bottle of this. It's great stuff. So it adds that kind of little bit extra to any stews or spag balls. Or oh. I've even put in the curry rad tonight. So it's it's cracking stuff. I love it. Okay, and then last but not least, just to just to say. Uh, and we mentioned Uzbooza and in Sheffield, the Sheffield Camera, which again, our Sheffield Camera seems to be a really great um, branch. Um, they were very active, obviously, with the Camera Weekend. Uh, and their little beer magazine is called Beer Matters. Unfortunately, it hasn't gone online um, in the lockdown. They, they tend to stay on print, and so they haven't done that. But again, if you go onto the Sheffield Camera website, uh, you can look at the back issues. And this is, uh, again, I read this this week. It's a really good read. So I recommend, as always, being Matt, as the local branch magazines are fantastic. And then we've got to talk about football because Sheffield's a big, uh, big football town. Uh, but unfortunately, it's been a pretty crappy year for Sheffield. That <laughs> both teams have been relegated. Well, it's uh, home of home of football, isn't it, Mike? The oldest uh, football team, Sheffield United. Oh, Sheffield Rules, actually. Yeah, the first cup as well. The first yeah. uh, national cup was the Hallam something something Hallam cup, Shea, wasn't yeah, it? That's right. Yeah. So in fact, in fact, for a while, Sheffield Rules were rules that we were going to have throughout the UK until some ponces from some posh school came along and arrow and so they pick up. So obviously, the Blades are Sheffield United. And they had a great season in the Premier League, but unfortunately are slipping back in the Championship. And just when things looking great for Sheffield, Wednesday, the other club, the club from the north bit of the town, they are also slipping down from the Championship into the whatever that Division One. So, so I did say I'd try and find some. Unfortunately, these are all American beers, but there is a um, there is the Mad Tree Brewing Company do something called Relegation Oatmeal Stout, and the Mac House do a Relegation Ale. So for all. Blades or Owls fans, then uh, there you go. And, and uh, you know, my, our, our old man's a big, big Sheffield Wednesday fan. He's, he's from that neck of the woods. And so uh, it's, it looked like, it would have, you know, they were doing really well for a while. But as always, money, etc., gets in the way. And then, Nick, just one last one. Ooh. Do you recognise this place? <laughs> I do. Sam Smith's so, won it. So as we said, yeah, this is... Um, uh, my our father's family they come from a place called Stocksbridge, which is on one of those valleys out of the north end of Sheffield. The water there and the steelworks uh, in Stocksbridge, and uh, our, gra- our grandma lived just 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 around the corner from this. This is called the Red Grouse down the hill. Was, yeah, yeah, which was a Sam Smith, as you said, Nick, a Sam Smith estate pub, a proper yeah. estate pub. Okay. And I think probably both of us had some of our first ever pints, probably slightly illegal. But I definitely was drinking it when I was eighteen. Oh, yeah. um, on a Sunday lunch, we used to go up and uh, sneak a pint in uh, of probably all brewery bitter at the time. And it's still going, apparently, still going strong. But uh, as you can see, a classic... Uh, it's got a state, yeah, yeah. 50s estate pub, which was mm. uh, very interesting. So there we go. So, mm. Nicholas, we're taking over. This is your 10-pint session around okay. Sheffield. So we've, we're on the train, and Sheffield's pretty good because you're on the main East Coast line, aren't you? The, no. London, Newcastle, etc. No, 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 no. No, we have to change it, y'all. Oh, London... Sorry, well, I'm, I'm thinking through the way. So you're from London Pancras, you get to Sheffield on that East Midland line, it's called, technically. Yeah. But you'd change yeah. it, York. I'd go straight so across. Then I think I can get to Manchester and go straight across, so I can... Or Derby, I'd go to actually and go up. So you're yeah. pretty well... And obviously, it's on the M1. So again, you're there, and then you've got the M74 now that comes across, don't you, from Manchester that gets not quite all the way to Sheffield, but uh, a fair way across from Ashton and the line that way there as well. So mm-hmm. you give me a shout when I move on. So yeah, okay. So we're starting start the railway station now. Unfortunately, Sheffield railway station isn't the most picturesque or shall we say 
heritage building uh, that you could get compared to a lot of railway stations we're coming out of. But it has got a golden star there, and that's the Sheffield Tap. And once again, it's quite amazing, in fact, that these buildings were sort of closed down, mothballed, but not knocked to pieces and, uh, you know, not, not messed around with. So it was the guys out of the Pivney pub group who realised that the buildings were there. And so they opened them up and it's a cracking start to the day. They have their own uh, beers on, the Tap Brewing Company, and also with a partnership that they've got with Thornbridge now. But perhaps I have to hold back because whilst I would love to start the day with a pint of Jaipur, when we get in the Sheffield for a late morning sort of lunchtime, it's maybe a bit too uh, of, a, of a strong beer to start off on with. So there's always a good range of beers. As you can see there, that's the main room for those people watching on YouTube. Uh, but then it's a long building. Uh, one of the rooms has actually got the brew kit in there um, from the tap brewing company. And then you've got some smaller rooms as well. And there's one particular room that's got some tiny little tables, literally little tables that you can just pop your pint on, almost like a weighty room or almost like in a railway carriage. Um, so that's your start. But as I say, I would recommend you start off with something of a low ABV than Jaipur. So from the Sheffield Tap... They've got an outdoor we were, area, haven't they? I remember they've got a bit of an outdoor yes, seating area. They, oh God, they, they do, yeah. Area. Now, the last time I was in Sheffield, unfortunately, I couldn't get in there because there was a football match on and the spot was absolutely heaving oh, yeah, with spot, yeah. away fans. Yeah, and they were yeah. all sort of corralled in by the security and the police as well yeah. uh, before they, when they were being put on the buses and taken up. In fact, I'm thinking... They must have probably been uh, watching Sheffield United because Sheffield United ground uh, from uh, Bramall Lane is about 10, 15 minutes yeah, to walk yeah. away from, from the railway station. Yeah. So the fact, thinking what time of day it was, it must have been at least quarter past two. And I'm thinking when well, they're leaving it late to get the ground, but I suppose they weren't. So, yeah, so that's your start, which is an ideal start. Now, out of the uh, Sheffield tap, you will turn right and in front of you, uh, you'll see to the sort of diagonally two o'clock position, you've got the Sheffield Hallam University main uh, campus in front of you. And then to the right of that, you've got the bus terminus, which is quite, I'm going to say modern. I'm going back 1990s when I was there and I suppose that's only 20 odd years ago now, isn't it? Uh, but in terms of where the bus terminus, if you head along the bottom of the bus terminus and take the first road up on your left, you'll see this Tudor timber building. Now, there are a lot of buildings that look like this that are obviously mocked up, but in fact, this one is, uh, let me see my notes. This was originally built in 1475, so it is, in fact, the oldest pub in Sheffield. And in fact, it's the oldest uh, domestic building still surviving in Sheffield as well. Not that it was built as a pub in 1475. It was actually built as a hunting lodge for Sheffield Castle. Um, but it was adopted as a pub around about 1841. And it's amazing that it's actually survived because mm -hmm. as I say all around, you've got the bus terminus, you've got 19 late 40s, 50s, urban sprawl, unattractive concrete buildings. Uh, but to have a building of that age still where it is. And, and I'm guessing, Nick, people... 
I'm guessing that in the Second World War, Sheffield got hit quite hard, didn't it? Because it was a steel, you know, making steel and stuff. So it, it did, and obviously the railway stations were always targeted, yeah, so it could yeah, very yeah. well have been a lot. That area around there was flattened. Uh, I remember the post, the main post office, that was quite a nice building. In fact, when they closed down that that down, we actually went in there and salvaged because they actually found um, all the air raid uh, ventilation mm. equipment uh, that was still intact. So they got in contact and said, "Look, you know." There's all this air raid ventilation system there. Are you like testing you, it? But like you say, uh, compared to like York, for example, or even Leeds a little bit, this is very rare in stuff. You, you get these yeah. kind of buildings to, on the edges, like yeah. Abbeydale, things like that, don't you, where the old hamlets were. Yeah. Like you say, to, it, it just like, I was thinking this pub straight away because the one I used to get at the station when I used to meet you, it's a pub That's right. probably yeah, first yeah, yeah. went into, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then was it the, what was the York, was it the Yorkshire Brigadier or something up on the other side of this one as well? Well, yeah, we used to go, in fact, if you walk up from this, you have the Penny Black in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Now, the yeah. Penny Black was was very much of a, you would call it an estate pub, although it's in the city centre. Yeah. And it was a bit unusual that it tended to be busier during the day at night because it was, I mentioned the main post office, the main sorting office, obviously called the Penny Black. So you had all the lads on the post who would finish lunchtime early afternoon and they'd all pile in there and that was their nighttime. Yeah. So you used to go in there in the middle afternoon and it was a very busy pub. And the lads were enjoying their jukebox and playing a few games of pool and having a drink as though, you know, they've come off an eight-hour shift like. Um, you had the the uh, the Mansfield pub that was more of the student student pub. Uh, that was across the road from the student union. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, when when you used to come in, because when you used to come over from Stoke, it was on, on the Buxton bus, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the bus station. Um, but as I say, it's easily lost. A lot of people don't realise it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's owned by Thwaites now. Yeah, so you get Thwaites and beer yeah. on. Yeah. And you also get, they always tend to have two or three uh, real ales on in there as well. Now, I'm glad you're back, Bruce, because uh, they have some culinary delights on in, in, in the uh, Old Queen's Head. This one off their menu, it is uh, roast beef in a creamy sauce as a main course for £9. Now, the description actually on the menu says roast beef served with squirty cream, <laughs> cranberry oh sauce, and dough dumplings. Oh, my God. And it actually says squirty cream. That's <laughs> <laughs> so what really that good. looks like, I don't know. You can imagine some slices of roast beef or like a casserole and then basically... <laughs> With a squirty cream tin on top of it. I wouldn't say it's a it's a it's a chef. It's a, I wouldn't. It's definitely not a South Yorkshire delicacy. But uh, yeah, I picked that up on the menu, and that's the main cost for nine pounds. So once again, it seems that food is uh, is reasonably in there and it's yeah. quite popular. And again, and I, say, I, I was going to say Thwaites is an interesting. Um, we don't, you know we've mentioned a couple of times, but there are breweries going a bit on the radar, don't they? A typical yeah. brewery at the brewery and still have pubs. Um, I know they just, they just kind of rebranded all of their kind of car. They're very much a cask uh, but brewery. I'm not sure. Do they still brew, though? I thought they'd pack yeah, the brewery to concentrate just, on the pubs in the hotel. Yeah, um, pubs get to Blackburn now, yeah. Right, I'm, just okay. looking, I'm just looking now. They've had a bit of a revamp. So they've got an original best, a gold, an amber, an IPA, and a mild. And then yeah. the smooth that you see, probably smooth quite a lot, don't you? But interesting, you know, we... And, and well, I, it, like Lancashire Bomber was one of their famous ones. Yeah. And obviously Wainwright as well. Yeah, Wayne Wright's been the popular I think one. That, I think they're brewed by somebody else now, I've got a feeling. Mm. Well, that's, why, that's why I was thinking, yeah. Because yeah. I think Thwaites almost stopped the brewing and then they moved into the hotels and pubs because they're, they're, they are a... a, a, a I'm looking now, it still says, 
It still says they're brewing. They're still the brewing now. They're brewing their pubs because isn't that right. Stone Roses pub in York? We mentioned that's Thwaites, isn't it? They're owned by Thwaites. Yeah. It we? was. Whether it is still Thwaites, I'm not sure. Yeah. Got gins, that's uh, Thwaites. That's Thwaites. Yeah. yeah. Lady Anne Middleton's hotel. They bought that and rebranded Middleton's. Yeah, and the big hotel in Beverly. They bought that as well. Yeah, you know, so. the big one mm. just uh, outside the, the walls. Oh no, just inside the walls, isn't it? Next to the Chinese. Still bought that one. Into that then, yeah. So yeah, it, 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 it seemed to me that over the last five years they've been investing more in pubs and hotels mm. rather than the brewing side of things. That's what made me think that they'd they'd handed the brewing over to, to somebody else, still brewing their name, but they weren't physically brewing anymore. But anyway. Uh, right, so that's the old Queen's Head. Uh, no, and I hang on, we're not quite here that yet, Mike. Well, I'll give you how, how, how we get from there to there. So right. you're walking up uh up, up the street where the Queen's Head is. You come to Pond Street, you then turn right, and as I say, once upon a time, it was a landmark of Sheffield. It was known as a hole in the road. It was a huge roundabout, yeah. but instead of being a grass hump, it was a massive great subway, and it was literally a bloody great big round hole in the road. Uh, so it was still there when I was a student, and it used to have its own little shop shopping precinct actually down in the hole in the road there used to be a record shop there and a shop selling t-shirts and all this sort of stuff uh sadly that is now no longer when they decided to reinstate the trams into sheffield they decided to redo a lot of the transport networks and stuff like that so they covered it over so we're going to walk diagonally across that big junction that used to be the hole in the road and we're heading up to where the cathedral is now sheffield cathedral although it's called a cathedral isn't one really of those status churches or places of religious worship compared to a lot of the minsters and cathedrals in other cities? Once again, if you're walking through the centre of Sheffield, could almost miss it because it is pretty much surrounded. And as I say, it doesn't tower above uh, a lot of other buildings, unlike places like Lincoln and, and York and all these other places. Um, but you're aiming for the backside of the cathedral. And once again, it gets a lot more traditional there. There are some nice little streets, cobbled streets, and some nice little squares. And we're heading across. In fact, where do we go across? We head across um, the hole in the road. We cross a Paradise Square, which used to be lovely, but they allow cars to park there. It's basically a square of, of Georgian terraces, but a lot of them are like small business offices now. And I say they allow people to park there. It just spoils the whole ambience of it. And you're going crossing Paradise Square diagonally and you will come across the three tons. So next slide, Mike. There we go. And that's the three tons. Now, this uh, is a very distinctive building. Uh, the fact that it's on a, a triangular piece of land where two roads converge and it's known as a flat iron building. Uh, a lot of buildings like this in New York. And in fact, there are a number of pubs up and down the country like this. The one that we know the best, Mike, the one in Liverpool? The Baltic, you know, yeah. The Baltic, yes. The yeah. Baltic is like this. Now, if I recall, the Baltic, though, you can't actually sit in that, point out a little bit, can you? Yeah, you can. Last time I was can in there, I sat there. Exactly there. It's a bit, bit broader than that, but right. we, we sat in this pub last time we knew were in there, we sat there. Yeah, so if you can get in the pointy bit, you've got, yeah. you're surrounded by windows. Yeah. I've always marvelled at that curved window on the end there. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, yeah. to think when the pub was built, and for them to be able to curve the glass like that because it's one big plate piece of glass. And so if you get sat up there in that window, you the, the, the two converging streets run away in front of you and you overlook and you can watch the world go by. Uh, they have the craft beer in there. As I say, sometimes the quality has not been spot on. Uh, it's been acceptable. And they tend to try and concentrate on local beers and some, some national staples as well. 
Uh, once again, we've been in there two or three times, Bruce. I don't you remember that one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've been in there with with Dave yeah. and some of your your mates from 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 work as well. We did, yeah. Terry, and it's like disappointing, not really, but it looks great building on the outside, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but if a feature of a lot of Sheffield pubs, they know that you might need some snacks while you're going in there. So you can see the the snacks bars there. You've got your dinky pork pie, you've got your medium pork pie, and you've got your large pork pie. Uh, or you can have selection, <laughs> selection of cheeses Jesus. as well. I think last time me and you were in there, Nick, because I think this was used to be a bit of a ticker's pub, didn't it? Kind of a lot of lads. Obviously, Sheffield is a great place to go for stags and things. And we, we ended up right down that bottom bit, and there was a stag in, and mm. they're all going around Kellam Island, but they were all like drinking like. Cronenberg and Harp, but you know, we were we were laughing, saying, Well, you know, and they we were, I think we had a chat with them, and they were, Well, we don't know. I said, What are you going to drink when you go down like Kellam Island? Because you know, go the fat cat, you probably won't find any macro lager in there, mate. So, you know, you may start, so yeah, but no, you say it, it's more, I guess, the ambiance. It's um, it's the it's the building I like, which yeah. is you know yeah. when we opened up tonight, you know, I've gone for the traditional buildings. I say it was a pub that I always went in because I, I went to uh, Sheffield as a student, but I was a mature student, so I wasn't yeah. going for the four pints of lager for a tenner or, you know, jugs of stuff and all that sort of stuff. Ooh. I was going for the, 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 the quiet pubs and where, where I could blend in better as well. You know, I could get chat with the locals and, and adopt my dad's Sheffield accent, as it were, and then, you know, blend in rather than sticking out as a, another bloody student. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's the three tons. So, well, we're going to come out the three tons. Well, just as you mentioned, there's a couple of other pubs that are like this in Sheffield. In fact, quite a few people have mentioned on the Twitter, the Bath Hotel, which is a similar building, kind of on that same kind of flat iron building, which I guess just for space, wasn't it? Just maximise yeah. the space. Bit bit wider. So, heading down the hill, uh, we're heading mm. from, from the three tons, head down the hill, and you'll come to, I've had to make a note of the streets, because I can't remember what the streets' names are called. You know where you're heading to. So onto Tenter Street, you're turning right, still going downhill. If you've got time, when you get to the bottom of Tenter Street, onto West Bar, there's the National Emergency Vehicle Museum. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> when, when me and Bruce have been there, it's never been open, because once again, we tend to do our crawls on a Monday and Tuesday when I've got my days off. It started a very, very small. They literally started with two battered Nakadol fire engines, and it's in an old fire station. So they've got the big wide entrance doors where obviously fire engines used to fire onto West Street whenever there's a fire. They started with literally two vehicles. Uh, I just read upon them, they've got over 45 emergency vehicles. And looking online, it looks a hell of an impressive little museum. Now, I know last time we were down there, Bruce, if we remember rightly, we were on the corner. They've got a bloody great 47-foot lifeboat yeah. in the yard, haven't they? It's bonkers. They've got a time-class full-size lifeboat in the yard. So there can't be many places where you can go and see a full-size time-class. Uh, I think it, they managed to get it when it was decommissioned because it was the City of Sheffield lifeboat. So obviously it was sponsored or donated by the City of Sheffield in the first place. So it's come back to its, its sponsored home. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you've got time, pop in there. I mean, they're doing a great job. You know, support because uh, I think it's as far as I know, it's, it's it's mainly run by volunteers. And certainly, if I get down there on a date, so open, I'll certainly spend an hour to yeah. have a bob round in there and, and give it support. And if you like fire engines, police, ambulance, they've even got a little war section now about Sheffield Blitz and all that sort of stuff. So, if you need a stopping off point after having two or three pints already, then that could be a good hour away from it. So you're on to West Bar. And literally, uh, you cross over the road and the first pub you'll come to is the Shakespeare. Now, once again, when we first started going down Kellam Island, the Shakespeare didn't really have a reputation. Once again, it was one of those places that never seemed to be open and never really looked to be inviting. 
Whilst I would love to see that Ward's fine motels neon lighting across the front of it lit up, I don't know whether it does light up or not, because once again, normally when we're in Sheffield now, it's it's during the day. By the time it's getting dark, we're back into the city. Um, but the last couple of times we've been down, we've actually been in there. And yeah, it's on a par now with the Fat Cat and with the Callum Island Tavern, I would suggest, mm. in terms that it's a traditional pub inside, cracking range of beers on. Once again, I've spoken about this before. You can see there in the picture, anybody on YouTube, they have the blackboard up with the range of eels, telling you exactly what there is to offer, what price you're going to pay, and what ABV. And once again, if I'm on, if I'm on a crawl, if I'm doing a 10 piter, I like to keep abreast on the sort of volumes that I'm drinking. And I know if I've drunk a 5.4, I'll probably try and go for a little lighter one after that. Because if I know I get up to a gallon and I've been drinking four and a half, five percenters, I'm not going to make the day. Uh, so I always like to see the blackboard there. So they've always got a, a, a great range of beers on there, ever-changing. And as I say, this is a gateway, really. This is introduction into that beer mecca that is Kellam Island. Yeah, I always feel it's like the gateway, isn't it? You kind of walk to, you walk, always walk past and there's some way in and way out of Kellam, don't you? That's what silly with Weaver for being there. I, I just I quite like that cloud water beer they've got there, uh, I don't know what it is, which is a, in fact, it's a brown ale, uh, four point, which is probably true because you don't, you know, obviously we know brown ale because our northeast connections, but uh, one of those beers that might be on the thing. So, Nick, I think we're entering into the mecca that is Callum, are we then? Yeah, the hardest bit is crossing over West Bar. Yeah. West Bar yeah. is, is a busy dual carriageway. Four really. lanes of traffic, yeah. So, if you've had a few beers, just be careful because the traffic just whizzed down there and I say it's not an easy road and I could negotiate. There's not any pelican crossings or subways on there so just be careful so what you could do the next uh pub in line is the Kellam Island Tavern but I think it's always worth to have a little bit of a walk again go to really the place that started it all this was the birthplace of the Kellam Island Brewery uh the pub itself I've got a little bit of history on it so the pub was bought at auction from the Stones Brewery for £33,750 in 1981 by two chaps called Dave Wickett and Bruce Bentley. Now, Dave Wickett uh, was a lecturer in economics at the university and Bruce was a, a solicitor or surveyor, I believe. So Dave really was the driving force behind the business and their idea was simple. It was to provide an alternative at that time uh, to the pubs that were owned by the four big brewers, which I've mentioned. Um, so that was Stone's, uh, Wards, um, Webster's Whitbread, Whitbread and Hope and I can't remember what that was called. I've never come across them before. Uh, but it was to give an alternative and it was to sell different types of beers. Uh, I think Dave was quite uh, shrewd in that with him being a lecturer, never read this officially, but he say, sort of said to me that he got a lot of his students to actually run his, run his pub for him. So yeah. everything from the marketing to having them working by in the bar, et cetera, et cetera. Because it was one of those, if you built it, they will come. Because, I mean, the area, Callum Island, was purely warehouses. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was completely industrial. And even now, it just seems to be off on a limb. And yet it's not, because all those warehouses now have been converted into apartments and oh, there's cafes and, once again, hipster places down there. So it's become a mecca for all that sort of entertainment stuff. But I say, even in the days that I was going there in the 1990s, I think I've recounted this before, we had two Danish students. These were big Danish lads who were like Vikings. And I said, right, guys, I said, you like your beer? I'm going to take you somewhere special tonight. So we travelled into Sheffield, 
jumped off the bus, walking down Kellam Island once again, because it's in a street of industrial warehouses. It was never that easy to find. And they were a bit afraid of saying, Nick, is it safe down here? There is nothing here. Where are we going? And I'm saying, you're all right, lads. No, we're going to get it soon. It was like a little oasis there. It was lit up. And once again, quite a distinctive building. I've not got an out exterior shot in the photograph that I've got here, but quite a distinctive building there with a the fat cat, a slightly round front to it. Got in there and say it was busy inside. So went upstairs and I got them on the Thixons all peculiar. Anyway, they had a good night that night and they started to appreciate what British beer was compared to Carlsberg and stuff like that. So once again, inside, classic uh, unspoiled boozer. Uh, those people on YouTube can see the the bar. They reckon this was a a um, accounting's uh, kiosk from a co-op from somewhere, oh. or a, a ticketing booth or something like this. So it was reclaimed. And once again, if you get sort of twenty to thirty people in that bar, it's very 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 snug. Uh, but the range of beers on there, always great, always attentive service. And there's the the pies and the food there available, you know, uh, down it's to really earth. Available as well, isn't it? The f- price of the food is bonkers. I think on a yeah. Monday night they do uh, curry in a pint for five pound, don't they? Yeah, well, that's one thing you will find in Sheffield, Bruce. Once again, I mean, I in my opening notes, I, I describe the people of Sheffield as as good humoured, friendly, down to earth, but gritty. You know, the people of Sheffield don't suffer full kindly, and they don't. They don't put up with any nonsense, but there again, they are generous, they are kind, they are people who you can socialise with. You know, they'll have a chat with you. Um, well, if anybody, if anybody wonders what last what, time we were there, Nick, say again. Remember that Sheffield Hospitality Week? Well, we'll, we'll get onto that in a bit. Yes, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, any anybody, if, if you listen abroad and you wonder what people like Sheffield are from, think of a uh, Sheffield's homegrown Hollywood actor, Sean Bean. It always amuses me that Sean Bean can take on what, many different killing, roles. Killing Frenchmen and Spanish people. Well, he can, can, can be in Lord of the Rings. He can be a hero. He can be a superhero. He can be a gangster. But he always has a South Yorkshire accent. And even <laughs> when he tries to put an American accent on, a French accent, a mythological accent, he's always got his, his South Yorkshire twang there. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the working girls a bit rough, uh, or the posh girls a bit rough. Sean Bean is your typical Sheffield person. And if you think of Sean Bean Jackson in most of his movies, that's the sort of uh, accent you'll hear if you go in the, in, the, uh, in the traditional pubs in Sheffield. So this is the Fat Cat. Uh, they've got a beer garden last time. Me and you went down there, Mike. Yeah, they, yeah, beer garden. So, yeah, yeah. And as I say, the brewery itself, when it first opened, I think they had a 10-barrel capacity. The popularity of their beers, uh, their most famous beers are probably Pale Rider and... Um, is it Easy Rider? Yeah. That's Kellam Island Brewery, isn't it? Yeah, yeah Kellam yeah. Island, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's Kellam Island Brewery came for the Fat Cat. So once yeah. David opened the pub, he then decided to start the beer. And once again, uh, with the demise of the four big breweries in, in town, uh, the Fat Cat uh, and Kellam Island now of the distinction as they are the oldest independent brewery in Sheffield. And they are the uh, oldest independent brewery within 100 years uh, because they've been on the go more than any of the other independent breweries. So, yeah, we sat in the beer garden there, nice little beer garden area, and as I say, the brewery itself has now moved into new premises. Uh, it, uh, what is the visitor centre now, I believe, uh, was a brewery originally because they've upped their production to a 100-barrel uh, barrel brew kit now. So that's the fact, cat. So we're going to head back out of Kellam Island now. I know there are other pubs down there, 
but we can't not completely leave the area without visiting the Kellen Island Tavern. And once again, the Kellen Island Tavern has got a lot of notoriety in the world of real ale. Uh, as you can maybe just make out there, they've won numerous awards, back-to-back awards for uh, Camera Pub of the Year in Yorkshire. Once again, no nonsense walking there. They've got the menu up there, all the beers available. Uh, typical sort of main front room there, sort of an L-shaped room. Get quite a lot, a lot of the regulars, locals, no matter what time of day or night, sat in there around the edge of the pub. Uh, once again, I understand they have some food on, available in there. Uh, once again, Mike, I think we sat outside there, didn't we? We sat on the front of the pub. They've got some benches yeah, and tables. Right. We sat, I think we sat in that left-hand window there, and then we kind of we moved out. It's quite warm. Just it's have funny, some benches outside. It's a funny pub inside, isn't it? It's always, I don't know, it reminds me a bit of that... Um, What's the pub in Beverly with all the red velour? It's a bit like that, isn't it? It's quite a uh, the old dog feel. And, dog and yeah, duck. like yeah. a 70s feel to it, really. Yeah, um, traditional, a, unchanged, yeah, you know, yeah. which is which I want to go. Small as well, you know, you look yeah, at the size small. of the building, things be quite big, but it's not. It's to say it's like this L-shaped pub, and it's really just the one room. Uh, that said, I don't know if there are rooms through the back. I don't think there are. I think that's mainly toilets and stuff through there. We've never been through there because we've always stopped in that main bar. When you're in a pub for, what, 20 minutes, half an hour, you know, you don't tend yeah. to explore too much, especially these other people in there. Yeah. If a pub's quiet, it, it doesn't attract attention. You start wandering around, looking at all the rooms. But I don't tend to wander around if there's a quite few people in the pub because you tend to get people saying, what's England looking for? Like, you know, and then they try and be helpful and say, you're looking for the toilet, mate. No, no, I'm just looking at the rooms in this case. All right. OK, carry on then sort of thing. Uh, so, yeah, once again, Kellam Island, you know, obviously they've got um, a lot of local beers on. Uh, I think is it um, is it the Blue Bee Brewery? Yeah, Blue they always Bee. have one of theirs yeah. on. Yeah, uh, and I don't think there's any malice. The fact that they're Kellam Island, you've got the Kellam Island Brewery. I'm sure they've got the Kellam Island Brewery beers as well, just being around the corner there. And I say between them, uh, certainly the uh, landowners, the property uh, developers, must be very pleased at the efforts that they made in dragging people down to that part of the, oh, yeah, the city. Absolutely. Because yeah, I say, yeah. last time we were down there, I was amazed how many of those warehouses have been turned into apartments, yeah, and you've got yeah. obviously. Uh, hipsters and people yeah. who are quite affluent sat out on their little terraces and balconies enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the industrial sprawl that is still sort of around them. Uh, so, as I say, it certainly rejuvenated that part of the town. Absolutely. And again, it, it, these, these pubs, both these pubs get really busy, especially on a Saturday afternoon in the summer. Uh, but I think there are not many pubs and bars around here. That you, you probably, you know, I think it's a place where if you got to Kellam Island, it was, it was absolutely rammed. Just carry on. In fact, we went to a pub just across the road a bit further down, which was great. So I think you can. there's plenty of other choices, isn't there? And then yeah. maybe walk back up and it might be a bit quieter because I think you do tend to get a little bit of a churn, don't you, these pubs? Uh, you get a group of, group of people come down, have a, like we do really, have a beer in one pub and then move on to another pub. So if you catch it right, you, you get in there. So, yeah. but there's plenty of choice down this end of the town. I've, I've just caught up my notes, actually. The four big brewers were, as I said, they were Whitbreads, uh, Stones, Wards and Hope and Anchor. I, mm. I can't recall that I've ever drunk Hope and Anchor beers. Uh, you do see their names up on some of the pubs in Sheffield still. Yeah. But I say, yeah. I've, I've never actually drunk them, so I couldn't tell you what Hope and Anchor were brewing. Uh, I assume, I would think they finished uh, a lot sooner than uh, the sort of 90s, 80s and 1990s. I've got... When I say... I've got a feel they were one of the kind of club breweries because I've got some beer mats that our Uncle Rex used to get me, and I think that was some clubs. So I think a bit of those, like a bit of a federation type brewery. Yeah. Doing those big beers. Yeah. yeah. And then just to finish off, just going back to the fat cat, I just want to give a, a little bit of a, of a, of a shout out. Um, 
Sadly, Dave Wickett, uh, who was obviously the founder and he say brought Real Ale back to Sheffield, he died in 2012 after uh, battling bone cancer. Uh, however, before his death, the uh, owner of the Thornbridge Brewery, Jim Harrison, actually took him down to London, where he was presented with a Lifetime Achievement uh, Award by the All-Parliamentary Beer Club uh, in recognition of what he'd done for Real Ale, certainly in the north and in Sheffield. And in fact, Kelly Ryan, one of Thornbridge's brewers, has uh, also quoted as stating that without Dave Wicked, Thornbridge Brewery would never have been. Because Dave, as well as, you know, being successful with his own brewery and with um, his pub, he also gave assistance to a lot of other brewers that were starting up as well. So obviously the success that Thornbridge is now, uh, that was down to Dave. So I think uh, just to leave Kellam Island, I think it's fitting that I should... Uh, give that uh, that mention today for all he, he did for um, for for real ale and for for sheffield just checked up with a whole brewery uh again it was hope and anchor it was guess what one of those bass breweries that got kind of broken up with the beer orders in 1989 it is famous because it was the first brewery in uk to brew carlin black label <laughs> which was under license from canada canada uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and sh- i think shut in 94 i think it's saying here yeah yeah, I mean, like you say, right. Mike, really, that, that was the demise of, of, of the heavy industry in Sheffield, mm-hmm. I would have said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mid-80s, late-80s, 90s. And so the big brewers, all of a sudden, they yeah. didn't have that guaranteed trade anymore, did they? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, they, I suppose they decided then to move out, close down. And then, as I say, David, obviously, in that early, in the 80s, he saw there was yeah. a potential to try and bring real ale. In fact, uh, on, a, on another mm-hmm. side is that, he invited, I think, wards to supply his beer to the fat cat. They sent the head brewer down, and the head brewer inspected his pub and inspected the the cellar and said, "Yes, we'll put a we'll put a a, um, a vessel in your cellar for bright beer, yeah, yeah. and we'll give you the pumping engine." And he said, "No, yeah. thank you." So, in fact, yeah. he started serving Timothy Taylor, Taylor's landlord. So, yeah. once again, he he basically pioneered landlord on its on its on its and- its, its, its rise to fame and. And Wards realised how successful he was being. So, in fact, then they went back to him, capping hand and said, oh, uh, yes, we'll supply you with cast yeah. beer. If you like to put cast beer on the bar. So, uh, And again, it's our beer credentials. I mean, I remember being in there with you in the 89, 90s, uh, 1990, 1989. Yeah, I, I remember it being that kind of place where I think, I, I remember I remember clearly me and you going down there one night and it was, like I said, a winter's night. And it, like you say, you walk past horrible warehouses and we got in there and it was buzzing and it was full of people full of mainly students but some old guys as well and it was one of those where you just didn't want to leave and it got to about 11 o'clock i think we got kicked out and it's like god you gotta walk now walk back past all that because you weren't you know yeah. you didn't get you didn't get taxes in the 1999 uh, although we've got to say that the bus system and the tram system in Sheffield is pretty great Although it's mm. quite a spread out city, isn't it? And I know you mm. mentioned this the last time. And, and mm. you've got all those seven hills, actually. And it goes back to, I remember the good old days, for something like 20p, you could go anywhere. Because, again, it was a Labour, very much not a modern Labour, it was almost communist, wasn't it? The South, mm. South, the, the Republic of South Yorkshire. And mm. they, they made a big thing that certainly for young people, students uh, and old people, travel was virtually free. Am I right? Wasn't it five p when you? I'm sure it was something stupid like that well, when you were there. Not, not that cheap, but certainly bus service. And in fact, they had that situation where they had they had different bus companies competing on the same routes. Yeah. So I mean, up to Totley, there was three different bus companies yeah. all running yeah. the same route. So you could literally jump on a bus every five minutes. Yeah. And yeah, was, the cheapest was ones. Was. The yeah. cheapest ones were the ones that they had the knackerish buses. 
Yeah. But if you're a bit yeah. skint, you want to save yourself 20 pence, then you'd hang on for one of those, that, that company's bus to come along. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes it broke down, so it was in fact a false economy <laughs> because you actually spent longer on a broken down bus. But yeah, certainly buses. The trams, for all its success, obviously it was one of the first things to take the trams back. In terms of being on beer routes, uh, not that convenient and also a lot more expensive to jump on and off. Well, they but the don't, bus is ideal for they don't going down hills. those. Yeah, going going down those linear roads. Yeah, that take you out the city between those seven hills. I'm going to mention this right at the end. That that alone, if you want to do a bit more walking and a little bit less drinking, you jump on a bus, head out the seat, and then walk your way back yeah, in yeah. to the city uh, along some of those linear so roads. Road, 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 road. Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Even uh, Chesterfield Road. Yeah. You know, you've got some uh, traditional classic pubs along these routes. So that's that's something else I was going to suggest. So anyway, we're heading out to Kilimall and we're going back up the hill again, back towards the city, and we're heading for a street called Trippet Lane. And here we have the Grapes, or AKA Flynn's. Now, it's known as Flynn's because the Flynn family have owned it for the last 20 years. <laughs> But in fact, Mrs. Flynn, or old Mrs. Flynn, has been a landlady along this road for the last 50 years because before they took uh, the grapes on, she was landlady at a pub literally three minutes walk down the lane, uh, which I'm going to mention as well, the Dog and Partridge, which was where we, um, where we received some wonderful uh, South Yorkshire Sheffield hospitality brews last time we were there. Absolutely. Uh, which I'll mention in a minute. So the grapes are K Flynn's. Michael's mentioned about Fagan's. It doesn't portray itself as an out-and-out uh, Irish pub, but like an Irish pub, very popular with the live music. And in fact, this place, I first came upon it from a mate of mine at university who said, oh, they have an Irish night on a Monday night. And once again, Monday nights traditionally are very, very quiet. So a lot of pubs try and do something extra, try and get people in there. It's either... It feels like uh, an Irish pub, though, doesn't it? It feels like an Irish pub. Without no, not, not this one, Bruce. No, the dog and partridge just. The oh, grapes. This, this is the one that's got the central drinking corridor. I think, tiles. It, feels, I think it feels like uh, some of those... Well, yeah. Irish pubs around Belfast yeah. and like yeah. that. So you've, you've got tiled interiors. You can see top right photograph there. That's in the little parlour on, on the left-hand side as you go in. Bigger room on the right-hand side, which is where the music normally happens. And then you've got your drinking corridor and your bar. So, and then your room's off it. Um, so I, this is supposed to be the uh, most impressive example of a, let me get this right, Gilmore, uh, uh, no, Thomas Rawson and co., now, Thomas Rawson and co. were the foremost names in brewing and in pub development uh, in the late 1930s, just before the Second World War. And they reckon this is the best remaining example of one of their pubs in terms. You can see from the outside, it's almost Art Deco uh, with a contrasting brickwork. And then I say inside, you've got a lot, lot of ceramic tiling. Uh, the bar itself is ceramic tile, but the actual fascia is and all around the walls are ceramic tile. You've got the fires in there as well. Once again, Sometimes the beer choice isn't massive and sometimes the beer you wouldn't say is excellent. I'm going to stop for another pint. But that's perhaps because it's famous for its Guinness. Yeah. And like a lot of pubs, they make, they make the claim that they serve the best pint of Guinness in uh, the city. And therefore, it could be they care more about making sure the Guinness is in top form and a lot of their regulars will probably drink the Guinness rather than drinking the beer. That's uh, the last time most people are drinking Guinness, weren't there? And it was a cracking pint. Just, yeah, you could do well, once again. I, 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 would, I, I would forego it being my best pint of the day 
just for the interior of it. I mean, you look at the top right corner there, it's mm. almost like sat in some old person's parlour, like. Uh, and I know it's a sort of place that I can take my other half into. She's probably going to be happier in there than sat in, you know, uh, a, a pub that's that's probably not quite as comfortable and not quite as historic or traditional as it were. Uh, so that's a great spot. As I say, most people, regulars, locals, know it as Flynn's. I don't know. I've recount the tale about the, the Irish night, about the blind guy that used to go in there. Mm. He was very canny. He was a big blind guy. And obviously, you know, blind people appreciative of music and a lot of blind uh, people uh, are very good musicians. But he was canny in that he used to get himself there first and he used to get himself right in the far corner of the room. And basically the room used to fill up so much that even if you were sober and you could see, you could barely get to the bar because there was instrument cases, there was people playing, there was people listening, there was people tapping their feet. And so every time he used to make to getting up out of his seat because his glass was empty, somebody would have invariably say, oh, it's all right, Jim, I'll get you this one. And he used to have about 10 pints and never used to pay for any of them because people used to buy his, buy his beer all night. And then come the end of the night, he used to get himself up, off he went, off he went home. And in fact, I was counting his story last time I was in there with, with, with Jackie and, and lo and behold, the same guy actually came in and he got sat at the bar because it was during the day. I, I, he had his pint of Guinness. So, yeah, I thought uh, quite quite a good ploy, that one there, to get yourself right in the far corner there so and get everybody buying your beers. So that's a great So And literally, it's known trip it lane, and we're going to uh, trip the light fantastic about 100 yards. You come out the, 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 uh, the grape store, you're going to turn left, slight uh, decline down the hill, and you come across the dog and partridge. Now, I talked about frontages of pubs. I think this one's got a stunning frontage. In your great big letters there, once again, anybody who's not on the YouTube, Gilmore and Windsor's, Ills and Souths, emblazer right the way across the front of the pub, and then the name above the dog and partridge and a traditional gaslight. So, Bruce, I took you in this pub, I think probably the first time you've been in here. was. And like you say, this has got a feel of an Irish bar because it was quite subdued, wasn't it? It was dark. It was a little bit, you know, you took your first tentative steps and thinking, where are we going and what are we getting into? Uh, once again, I think, was it a Monday or a Tuesday afternoon we were Pretty in there? Quite. Monday, Monday tea time. Uh, no, late lunchtime, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, because it was a guy who came... Four o'clock before the workers left. It was very, very... Yeah, or maybe a little bit earlier than that. So anyway, we got ourselves in there. Once again, quite a good selection of beers. Me, you stood at the bar, uh, engaged in conversation with the youngest guy behind the bar, who then, it, 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 it transpired that he was actually a landlord, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was an Irish guy, uh, started to uh, be impressed with his range of whiskies behind the bar because as well as having some good local beers on, he also had a very, very impressive range of whiskies. Guy came in with his shopping bags called Michael, who stood himself on the far side of myself, and he was obviously a regular, sort of kept himself to himself. I think he was drinking John Smith or something like that, wasn't he, Bruce? Yeah. And then another guy came in, and his opening... Uh, conversation was something along the lines of, did you see what that greedy devil had for his breakfast? And we didn't have a clue what he's talking about. Realised that, in fact, we were strangers. We weren't regulars. We weren't locals. You were referring to some guy who'd been in the pub early and had this mass great breakfast and put it on Facebook or something like that. We didn't really engage him in conversation, but he he, he became conversant with us, didn't he, Bruce? Oh, yeah. He was aware that we were asking about the whiskies behind the bar. <laughs> At that point... We ordered another beer. We thought, we won't be rude. We're not going to leave after one. Um, I then noticed the landlord barman reaching for the most expensive bottle of whiskey behind the bar, taking it off the shelf, getting four shot glasses on the back of the bar, 
and emptying the bottle into these shot glasses. Now, can you remember which whiskey it was, Bruce? It was a green spot. But it was their premium one, wasn't it? it was, so I yeah, think you had red spot, green spot, blue spot and gold spot. Yeah. And I think this was the gold spot, wasn't it? And yeah. how much was it a measure? Was it about 18, 18 quid a measure? 12 pounds, 12 pound a measure. 12 pound. So yeah. at 12 pound a shot, next thing in, barman turns around, puts these four shots in the bar. <laughs> Me and Bruce feigns the surprise and says, what's that for? We didn't order that. Guy who'd come in says, oh, these are on me if you want to try a decent whiskey. Bear in mind, we'd already had six pints. It was the middle of the day on a Monday, and there we are being offered a shot of 12-pound whiskey. One gets slid down to Michael at the end of the bar. Michael turns around and says, I don't drink whiskey. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's a bit ungrateful. I says, Michael, I said, if your experience of whiskey is like Bells or Teachers, just try it. I can see you like real ale, even though he's drinking John Smith. Just try it. No, I don't drink whiskey. So anyway, we were profusely uh, grateful to this stranger who bought us a shot of whiskey each at £12, spent £24 on us, didn't we, Bruce? We did We did realise that he had told us he owned his own company as well, so we, we were... He was like he just gone and got his universal credit. Uh, and he wasn't, he wasn't married. Um, and <laughs> no, married well, we, we suspect, <laughs> yeah. But, but then, a, and a bit embarrassing as well, in fact, we'd finished our pint, finished our whiskey, he disappeared off somewhere, not sure where he'd gone. So me and Bruce says, well... Run away. talking chair. We have to go. On our way out the door, this guy's coming walking back in. He'd only been outside for a fag. So we literally said, cheers for that, mate. See you later. And off we went into the twilight. So, yeah. Was it worth £12, Bruce? No, it was. I'd always wanted to try it. It was even better than he bought with it. But yeah, it, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty stunning. Yeah. But after yeah. six pints of beer as well, could, yeah, we, no, could we really did. have? Could we really have told the difference of what was a decent whiskey and what wasn't? He feels at about £140 a bottle. Like, if you can get your hands on it, it was pretty good, I have to say. Yeah. yeah. But um, that's that's the Sheffield hospitality anyway. So yeah. that is the that's the dog and partridge. So I'll say you're not getting a massive great range of beers in there, but enough to suffice just to pop in there for an hour and take and quite the, a nice pub, yeah. The traditional and, it, the and again, interesting how Gilmore's wins had a quick look at that because again, a bit of a, beer, a brewery geek. Um Gilmore's actually were a uh, brew from the 1800s that didn't actually brew beer. They brewed a bitter hops, sorry, hot bitters, which are a little bit like tonic wines. Uh, um, yeah. But again, if you go through, they, they then uh, they bought out Windsor Brewery, which is a London brewery. And guess what? Tetley's uh, brought, bought them out in turn, and then they kind of devolved them. So that kind of thing. So well, Nicholas, yeah, I mean, see- a lot, a lot of these buyouts, the brewers weren't interested in the beer. All they wanted was the pubs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All they wanted yeah, was, was, was the real yeah. estate. Yeah. So you moved on to what? You you on to your uh, second beer now, Nick, wasn't it? Which was, did you say okay. it was Copper Dragon? Yes, this is Copper Dragon. This is the Golden Pippin, which I used to really enjoy, like you said, Bruce, when they first came on scene. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like a breath of fresh air, wasn't it? Well, yes. And, and yet they seemed to expand amazing, and they seemed to have so much money as well. You know, every pub we went past, it was all emblazoned in Copper Dragon uh, livery, you know, sponsoring uh, menu boards and signboards at the side of roads and all that sort of stuff. So it seemed they must have had a lot of money to throw at it at some you know, point. At one point, they were in 1,800 pubs. It was astonishing. Uh, coverage yeah. for a small, tiny brewery from West Yorkshire. Are you still yeah. on the same brewery, Bruce? He's, he's I am, just, yes. I'm still he's yourself back here. Well, I've, I've evaporated one, so... Uh, the bear town, the bear town was extremely nice. I can rec- recommend the club. I moved on to a gypsy because being a craft bear, a craft beer wanker, uh, I've moved on to my gypsy here on one of my boxes. A baller IP was quite nice. 
And I'm going to finish tonight with a Beaver Town. Why not? Tesco's, I love them. Uh, loop, loop, Loopaloid, which is there at 6.7, 6.7 APM. Can you actually see through any of these beers if you're drinking? Yeah, it's be- look at that. Right. Beauty, beautiful. Where are we with the camera on? Look at that. All oh, right, lovely. okay. That, that looks all right. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd probably have That's a go good. at that it looks to have a nice foamy head on it as well. I so. think by five o'clock um, uh, Saturday in my back garden, Nicholas, you'll be a, another craft beer wanker by the end of that one. Uh, mm. my boxes. Right, come on, let's crack on. I'll bring the me on. So, so we're heading out of the dog and partridge. We're turning left. And once again, we are heading to the city now. So you will come upon Leopold Street. You turn right, which will take you right back into the heart of the city. And as you walk up Leopold Street, you'll see the uh, City Town Hall in front of you, uh, distinctive with its Gothic uh, clock tower there. You're going to take the street immediately left to the left of the City Hall, and then you're going to take your first left again, and that'll bring you on to Norfolk Street. Now, Norfolk Street is famous for any snooker fans, the Crucible Theatre, and also the Lyceum Theatre. But once again, when I was a student in Sheffield, if I wanted a drink right in the town centre, this was before there was even any weather support or anything like that in Sheffield, this was the place that I used to head to. However, at that point, I don't recall, it's actually a Sam Smith pub now, and I think Sam Smith have only owned it for about 10 years. I seem to think that it was a Witchbridge pub there, and I seem to remember that I used to drink Courage directors in there. So whether there's a link between Whitbread and Courage, I'm not sure. But I always used to go, it's, it's a two-room pub, very, very basic. It's now uh, held up as a, a, a classic uh, example of a, which is Edward and Georgian townhouse, and obviously, Sam Smith has started doing this now. He's starting stripping the render off his buildings back to the brick. I'm noticing a lot of the pubs in the villages in, in York and around about there, he's doing this, Bruce. He's stripping them back. He's done it in, the, in Sheriff Hutton as well. He's stripped it back to the brick, you know, because a lot of these pubs had render put on and then painted. And I suppose then they start to look a bit tatty. So, as I say, when I used to go in there originally, I think it was white rendered. Uh, always a pub. Uh, and I say, I used to go in the, I used to go in, as you look in the picture, I used to go in the right hand side there. Uh, two rooms, uh, bar serving both sides. Uh, for a Sam Smith pub, it's pretty basic, actually. It's pretty utility. Once again, we went in there, Bruce. We managed to get a little table in the corner of the room, didn't we? And by then, we were quite merry. It's uh, I th- warm on the left. The room on the left has a real fire. You'll get a few characters in there as well, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we're going to say. Out of town city pubs, that is a pub. If you want to, to meet the, the gritty, down-to-earth people of Sheffield, especially the older generation, you will still get them going in there with their plastic bags and stuff like that. In fact, there's a classic uh, a review on, well, there's two on TripAdvisor. One woman complains that she was told to leave the pub because she was on her phone. And I wasn't even on my phone. I was sharing some cherished family photographs with my husband. And I was, <laughs> I was outraged. I was spoken to. And then another female on her own with her female friend. We'd popped in there before the theatre. And we would say that the locals were a little bit too friendly. In fact, they were far too friendly. <laughs> so this is the old boys, you know, oh, hello, darling, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so your brown bear. So once again, uh, yeah, it's Sam Smith's car range. You're not going to get any weird or wonderful craft beers in there or even uh, a variation real ale. But you know me on my beer trips. I lo- always like to have a hit of Sam Smith's. And especially if we're on a 10-pinter and the kit is getting a bit low, once upon a time, you knew you could go in Sam Smith's pub and it's not going to put a dent in your kitty. Yes, his prices have mild. gone up. Well, his prices have gone up, but, but they're still in line at £2.97 for a pint. They're still cheaper than most of the pubs that you'll come across. But you said, Nick, you know, actually, what I would say is go to Sam Smith's pub 
and look at what they've got because I know you said they're not very broad, but they are. They've got oatmeal stouts. They've got all the fruit beers. The fruit beers. Oh, the bottle beers. Everybody, yeah. everybody yeah. rates the fruit beers. Yeah. You've got the organic lager, which is always a great drink as well. So it might maybe worth just trying. Well, you know, I, I tell you when I tend to drink their bottle beers, Mike, is when I go to London because yeah. my 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 point is. If I go in another London pub and have a pint of London Pride or something like that, it's going to cost me four and a half, five yeah, quid. Yeah. If I go into Sam's pub, I'll actually dry, try one of those more expensive bottle mm. beers that's mm. going to cost me four and a half quid because it's actually not costing me much more. And yet I'm yeah trying something completely different. So that's when I tend to drink is, unless it's Christmas, Bruce, when I have me Black Forest Gatto of the Wild <laughs> Cherry Beer and the uh, Chocolate Stout, yeah. and I'll drink that up in York. So quite conveniently, straight out of the door, of the brown bear turn immediately right and you can stumble into the next pub. Once again, first time I'd ever been in here, it even took me back, in fact, that when I walked the brown bear, I thought, what the hell is that there? I couldn't remember what the building had been before the head of steamer got hold of it. It actually was a bank. So once again, from the outside, stunning building. Now, I'm going back on my likings of these hipster, crafty, weirdy, beardy, not weirdy beards, These, these, these crafty sort of hipster places that are um, scaffolding boards that have been varnished or waxed, uh, basic mismatched furniture, don't actually look like a real pub. And that's why I put the internal picture on there. You know, it's got lovely ceiling, but the actual interior isn't a real pub. But the reason I put this one on my list is because they had a good range of real ales as well as craft beers, uh, very uh, cosmopolitan uh, um audience or, or, or drinking in there, wasn't it, Bruce? There was a, a lot yeah. of different groups of people. And why I've put it on the list today is because of all, of all the pubs I've been in for a long time, the youngest guy behind the bar actually knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. If you remember, Bruce, I was off for a Californian wave, electric IP or something like that. I thought, right, I'll try a crafty beer. Going to be about five fifty a pint. And he said, actually, he said, if you like that sort of style, he said, I would actually recommend this one. He says, this one's as good, if not nicer, and it's a pound cheaper. Yeah. And I tried it, and I said, like, you know, I really appreciate that, mate. And he knew what he was talking about, got talking to him about beers and stuff, and he knew his stuff. So that's why I thought that deserves it. But then, yeah, you I mean, not- half a, then you bought half a pint of extremely strong, uh, muddy-looking water and made you very drink, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the problem with craft beer, isn't it? Uh, and once again, you know, the people behind the head of steam is Cameron's, isn't it? And we've, we've spoken in a previous podcast about this. They are looking to massively expand this chain uh, yeah. and they are actively asking people to recommend. Uh, they've already uh, identified cities and towns where they want a, a uh, uh, an outlet establishing. And they're asking people to actively say to them, look, if you know anywhere in York, if you know anywhere in mm. other towns and cities, let us know and we'll, we'll look at it seriously. seriously. So... Yeah, that's the last one I say. It's a bit of a weird one for me to finish with, yeah. but it's convenient in that it's just down the road from the, the uh, Brown Bear, and literally after 10 pints, which what we've about got to, you're heading down the hill past the Crucible Theatre. Once again, you've got a pretty busy flyover, sort of a dual carriageway sort of thing. Find the subway out, go down the subway, go underneath the dual carriageway, and you're back onto Pond Street. You've got the bus terminus in front of you again. So from there, you know where the railway station is cross diagonally through the bus terminus uh, and you're back to railway station. A, and if after 10 pints, you don't feel you've had enough, <laughs> and if you want that cheeky last one, do you remember, Bruce, I had a cheeky last one? Oh, we went really back can... into the tap. What did he have? <laughs> Jaipur. I had a pint of Jaipur. Yeah. Which, so, which Sheffield claims is its own, although it's from Bakewell, they claim it as their own, I think. 
So, yeah, I, I think a lot of people do say that Head of Steam at Sheffield is one of the better of that chain because they're a bit it's up and down sometimes, good, yeah. but I do say it's pretty good. So, as I mentioned, I just had a quick of a Twitter uh, shout around if anybody uh, would like to throw in any alternatives. Um, I think we've been quite good in trying to get, I think, trying to be realistic and just have a 10 pint. Uh, limit, which is quite good, really. So, a couple of a couple of suggestions. So, our great friends at Glorious Ghoul at the Tom Pudding uh, Bottle Shop, they mentioned they mentioned the fact that they mentioned Kellam Island. They also threw in the Bath Hotel, which is towards the bottom of the pictures there, which is, as I said, a little bit like those flat iron pubs with a kind of on a, on a street corner. Uh, mm. They also threw in the Harley Quinn, which none of you mentioned is you yeah. were kind of um and ah and that that's in Kellam. Yeah. And they also threw in the Red Deer, which I know you and Bruce have definitely been in recently, yeah. which is more... Oh, is that the cathedral side as well, that kind of way? No, that's the student oh, building. By the that's, university. That's in up the university. Uh, to the north, yeah. Right. Uh, up where the, the, the um, say, the nursing uh, colleges as well. And ah, say, right. it's the Red Brick University up there, out up say, north, up uh, Hillsborough way. Not as far as Hillsborough, but that's where... The, the Red Brick University is up in that part of town. So uh, they are, I think the Red Deer is quite, again, has got quite a long heritage in that they're a big Seba pub. So they, they are, they've yeah. always had a lot of, eight, I think, eight cast ales, which they have on and there. there. And uh, the uh, Harley Quinn is uh, a little bit of a, a, a mecca for right. anybody who wants to have any Exit 33 uh, beers brewery. Exit 33 are on Exit 33 of the uh, M1 which is one of Sheffield's newer breweries, and that's a good place to go drink their beers. Mm. Uh, you mentioned the um, Blue Beers, Nick, and that's at the uh, The Rutland. Blue Bee, yeah. Yeah, Blue they're at the Rutland, yeah. which is, uh, where's Rutland? It's that one right left-hand corner there. Uh, then again, a couple of people mentioned um, what um, our friends at Hop Indians and the Beer O'Clock Show, they, they said that's a bar that they would probably go into. They mm. also mentioned the Shaky and the Tap, and they also threw in the Bath as well. And um, Bruce, uh, there's a great, they've just done a really interesting um, uh, this week's podcast with a guy called Crombie, an, an Irish guy who runs the Round Corner Brewery in Melton Mowbray. And they were talking about the Melton Mowbray pork pie festival oh, that'd be on the 6th and 7th and, and interesting guy can't be great great podcast it's quite a long one uh he bought the um melton mowbray or he, he's got a, a holding in the melton mowbray in a cattle market and he's built a brewery in in the market there with a fantastic tap so that's how oh. melton mowbray's a cracking little town i used to go there quite a lot when i was at loughborough um so i think bruce we've got to go they've also got one of the best food festivals in the, in the world yeah, yeah. Uh, new york times i think top five so I think we definitely could go with going there and send us some well, stuff. I've never beers actually there. been drinking in Leicester. I've never been to Leicester in my life, I've been in the city. So oh, I wouldn't go to Leicester. I'd go to Melton Mowbray and Oakham, much, much, mm. much nicer. And then uh, at uh, at Why So Be Serious, uh, they threw in the Bar Stewards, which is one of Sheffield's increasingly fantastic uh, bottle shops and kind of, you know, one of these, again, these new styles of uh, micro bar kind of things. And they also threw in the Crow as well. I think that's got an interesting history as well. Um, yeah. There's been a few few different names there as well. I think that's yeah. all by the Cathedral Way. Um, uh, again, just to mention, I know there are at least two of them fantastic bottle shops in uh, Sheffield. There is the uh, Hop Hideout, which is run by Jules Gray. Uh, Jules Gray is a massive advocate for Sheffield beer. She's She kind of created the Sheffield Beer Week, which is massive, and also the Indie Beer Feast as well. 
um, and also Sean, who is a regular on the Hop- on the Sheffield Hopcast, uh, he has Beer Central as well. So as Nick said, it's a it's a booming um, beer city, really. Sheffield. Yeah, I mean, so- as I say, after, after you mentioned uh, shout outs from other people, I mean, I I went and looked in. Uh, there's ten pubs in 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 the Camera Guide 2021 this year. So I looked through the list, and three of those are on my list: the Sheffield Tap, the Edders team, the Old Queen's Head. Another three I used to frequent quite regular. And in fact, two of them are locals. I have mentioned previous podcasts when I was living in Sheffield on, on uh, I was living on Richards Road, which is up by Healy City Farm. So the region of Healy, which is just south of Bramall Lane, uh, just off uh, Chesterfield Road. My regular, my local was Yieldy Shakespeare Inn. There's a bit of confusion because obviously you've got the Shakespeare in yeah, Callum Island right. yeah, yeah, yeah. and you've also got Yieldy Shakespeare Inn. It's not now known as Yieldy Shakespeare Inn. It's known as the Brothers Arms. But that's where Dave and Norma were the landlord and landlady and I was in there most nights. So that is on the real list now. Uh, and in fact, the Brothers Arms, it's after a, that, it was a music group, I think, uh, the brothers who bought the pub and they've got supposedly quite a stunning uh, beer garden as well that looks mm. out over the city there. Uh, the other one is the Sheaf, Sheaf View. I mean, the Sheaf View was literally closer to where I lived than uh, the Shakespeare, although we tend to go in the Shakespeare because... Dave and Norma and the other people in there were more welcoming in uh, than, than probably she was at that time. Uh, so as I say, I, I know those two pubs very well, uh, but they weren't because that really is a, it's a good quarter, 20 minute walk out of the city. Uh, so, you know, if you want to walk rather than drink, then that is a, a, a consideration. Rutland Downs, which you mentioned once again, and the one there that I did go into. Yeah. And then the other four, the White Line on London Road. I used to go in some pubs on London Road, but I can't say I've been in that one. The Traveller's Rest, which is a bit out of the city, uh, the Beer Engine and the, ha- the Harlequin. So it yeah. seems that the Harlequin, if I've not been there before, definitely when we go to Callum Island next time, we will be making a point and going in, uh, have a look at the, ha- the Harlequin. So again, Nick, if you don't mind maybe putting those together on a bit of a Word doc that I can put on the website. Bruce, you yeah, yeah. promise me, I still haven't got any of the young beer, so that would be great. So uh, we've kind of picked 10 and with a few more thrown at the end there. Bruce, your pick of Sheffield? It has to be the um, down in Callum Island there, uh, Fat Cat. Uh, I mean, I think uh, probably one of the best 20 pubs in the country. I mean, you get there, you get there in a dark night, fail it. Beer's such fantastic. Uh, every pint on that bar is fantastic, well kept. Uh, their own beer is great. It's an amazing price. Uh, I say you can eat there very reasonably. It's just got a great atmosphere. Like I said, yeah. the type of place you go in. And would it want to leave? Uh, best visited on a dark winter's night. That's as you always say. Nick, what were you, your choice of those? If you were yeah, to if, one? if we're having to stick to the city centre, if, if I've got the other half with me, then it's either the tap or it's or it's the grapes. Uh, because I know the fat cat. Oh, we're not dragging all the way down there, mm. are we? Uh, but if I'm with you guys, or if I'm under me on steam, then I would make the effort to walk out all the way to the fat cat. But otherwise, I say the most convenient, obviously, is, is the Sheffield tap. Uh, the range of beers and the building itself inside is stunning. Uh, I said otherwise, it's the grapes because once again, it's it's a classic example yeah. of a pub that you that you don't see very often nowadays. I, I would probably choose that because I'm a sucker for a good pint of Guinness, and I think again, I've been listening to those Pete Brown things, and Pete Brown's got a bit of a theory that 
having looked in this detail, uh, it's not about where it's brewed or the water. It's because pubs in Dublin threw a lot of Guinness through their pipes. As you said, Nick, this this pub probably sells more Guinness than any other pub in Sheffield. Mm. And therefore, it's just good. It's fresh. It's always kind of been through. So I think yeah. I'd been there for a pint of Guinness Talk, as well. T- talking about Pete Brown, uh, you've, have you got this, this quarter edition of the beer magazine from Camera? Uh, not yet, no. I've been oh, reading right. what's brewing online, so mine's about... Oh, well, there's, a, there's, there's an article this quarter about, of all things, Pete Brown's the one about branding. Oh, right, yeah. And well, about he's things a new like book, that. isn't it? Yeah, he's got so, a new book on that, yeah. Once again, it seems that stuff that we've discussed in previous podcasts, lo and behold, yeah. other people <laughs> start talking about it. It's coming make, the make same a few subject. pounds out of it, yeah. It, it's always <laughs> nice to be in front rather than behind and be accused <laughs> of, oh, you're just copying other people. Because I say, it, it seems quite a coincidence that we've we've discussed three or four different things and then all of a sudden, stuff broken in the news <laughs> that has been relative to what we've been We're talking about. So groundbreaking podcasts. Three Yorkshire us, so Yeah, don't call us beer philosophers or soothsayers, but it seems that we are looking into the future and... Uh, and coming up with sub, su- uh, subjects and topics and, and, and items information that all of a sudden become then uh, national and global. Like, or so. you could say we spend too much time reading and, and yeah. researching and googling beer stuff. Uh, oh. Anyway, talking of which, on to on to episode fifteen. So I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm throwing a challenge down. We are going to look at London um, next week, and I think we might again we might leave it for. a... A fortnight. It seems to be yeah. a nicer kind of view when we do it a fortnight. So uh, two weeks from day, we are going to do London. Now, we do it a bit differently because there's no way we can dent London and mm-hmm. being three Yorkshire Gobies. Well, talk um, about Sa- South Smith's alone. Well, there's, there's two <laughs> challenges in London. Isn't it? There's, there's a Sam Smith challenge. Yeah. Or have you seen the Weatherspoons challenge? Yeah. And yeah. you've got to visit yeah. every Weatherspoons within 24 yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's on YouTube. So I'm going to say three's the magic number. So it's three northern blokes visit London. Or we recount our visits to London. And I'm challenging the other two, all three of us really, to come up with your three choice of pubs. And what we'll do is a little bit of a competition. I don't, we, we will get too complex. I was thinking about a scoring system, but sod that. Um, mine will win. Uh, I want you to think, gents, of the three pubs. If you were on a trip to London or you're going to London, which three pubs would you definitely want to go into? And you're going to try and sell those three pubs to each of us. I think we might be different. There might be one or two that are quite similar. No, we I might... think I think me and you will go for the same ones. I expect Bruce might come up with some different ones, but I think you and me I think and you I've might got. Come up with oh, I don't know because I've spent quite a lot of time obviously working in London, and there's probably mm. a couple of pubs down kind of Southampton Road, Russell Square that you guys probably. Want yeah, to I know you here. like one of Russell Square, well, don't you? I've got a couple of those that I've got on my list. Um, uh, one, the one pub that me and Bruce might share. Um, uh, is very close to these landmarks of London. Uh-huh. We mentioned James Smith's umbrella shop, which is literally next door to the pub I would choose. But mm. actually, just round the corner is Arthur Beale, which is another one of London's iconic specialist stores, which is on the top of... Uh, it's near to... Um, oh, God, what's that bloody... Rainforest Cafe on Shaftesbury Avenue. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of that direction. There's a very good, actually, curry house that I used to go to next door. Um, and like some bad news about Arthur Beale, but anyway, I'll come to that this week. So that's my little teaser about which pub I'm going I've, to choose. I've got a, I've got a teaser for then as well. I've got <laughs> some, uh, I've acquired some more brewery area, very specific and individual to London. So right, okay. It, it took that's... a lot, took a lot of getting, but I've got it, and I'm quite, I'm quite chuffed with it. But so I think that'll see that be in two weeks' time. That'll be the week before we we have our Wit Bank holiday. And I said the plan then is hopefully a couple of little exciting things over the following week. In that we maybe are planning a little trip to Roosters Brewery 
and maybe Harrogate Brewery and I say we have also from Leafsdale bit of a challenge we might do a couple of podcasts that week uh maybe hopefully live from a pub as we get to actually go into pubs which I'm very much looking forward to so thanks everybody cheers to Nick cheers to Bruce yeah play first cheers everybody and we'll see you in a couple of weeks time I'll hopefully get this podcast out by the weekend so just let me stop recording